I had to shake him on my last case, Big O don't play. So Donnie's not coming. What a jag off. I mean, he said that he he had. Is this guess for him? He'll like him. It's someone he likes, but it's someone we all like. I'd say it's. Uh, I don't want to give it away. I'm not. I'm just not going to say anything. I'll say it's a top five hunks favorite person. Favorite person, huh? Yeah. I feel like I feel like we're going to be really disappointed. Is what's going to happen here. Maybe I'll edit that in so our special guest can hear that you thought you'd be disappointed in him. Well, let me preface this by saying I don't know who the guest is, so I can't be really disappointed. And I even, I didn't even give, like, I was going to have you send him an email. And I'm like, wait, that'll give it away because his email address. So I I sent him, I forwarded him the meeting info. Let me do an intro. Let me at least do an intro here so we can get that out of the way. And then we'll just have all of our commentary by sitting here waiting. That's fine. All right, I'm doing it right now. I had to shake him on my last case, big O don't play. Let's do it. Oh. <laughs> do it. <laughs> All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Muskie Hunks Podcast. I'm one of your three hosts this evening, Ryan Reed. We have two other hunks on the line. And we have what we're calling a surprise guest. Mm-hmm. Tom has decided to wrangle a guest that we have no idea who's going to be on the call tonight. This is a legit surprise. We have, yeah. I have no clue who this is going to be. He and I thought not- it was, I thought it would be better too. Cause I thought, like I said, I thought we'd all be here and I thought everyone would be super angry at me by the time they joined, like people threatening to leave the call. But Well, I we, guess. some of us threatened to not do the podcast if we didn't know who. It oh was. yeah. Well, this has been for like, when did this happen? At least a month ago. I've been, well, I've been letting you stew in it for like a month now, at least. All right. So let's, let's get the formalities out of the way and then we'll just sit here and wait mm-hmm. for our guests. So we also have on the phone tonight, Mr. Tom Benata. Yep. Back, backity back. Back. How's the rubber palace? Oh, great. Did a lot of cleaning today. Got all the fishing rods and boxes moved in. So now it's looking more like a fish lab than like a wood shop. You gonna we gonna have all, all all the grubs available for musky max? Oh yeah, I've got got the saltwater plastic. It's they're coming out nice and stiff and hard. And yeah, how's that turn? How is that stuff turning it's out? It's awesome. Like you, usually when you take a puck out of a cup, you can just like rip it in half to like remelt it. But the saltwater, you like can't even tear it in half. You have to use like shears. Like normal scissors don't even work to cut it. Like you'll break scissors. You have to use like gnarly <clears throat> razor scissors. Really. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's going to be. It's like it's probably just as strong as the Illumisol, if not more. Like wow. harder. Yeah. Now, I saw you got the sinking. Is yeah. that like the. Is that, is that the recommended or like what? I mean, what's that's up with standard. That? Like floating is more common in like bass and trout stuff. And I don't think, I'm not, not to my knowledge, I don't think anybody uses floating plastic in the musky game, but maybe. Maybe that's someone's secret recipe. I'm excited to see these grub tails here at Musky Max in a few days. Nikayla did. Uh, she matched a real cool one today. The pink, like for one of your pink spinner baits. Yeah, so, all that. So it'll be it'll be cool. I think that's going to be a nice addition for Owen's spinner baits for sure. 
Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm really looking forward to that. So we also have on the call tonight, Mr. <laughs> Owen Seaman and Big O's Bucktails. Hi, guys. Hi, Surprise. Sporting the green hoodie. Yeah, man. I, I have not taken this green hoodie off. I, like, say if you I like the them. black one. No, but I like, I, yeah, this has been washed at least once, if not twice. But every time it comes out of the wash, I put it right back on. I was going to say you wash it in the shower like Kramer and Seinfeld. <laughs> just wear your clothes. and That's where I was at. And... See, mine has cat hair all over it now. So I, had, I don't I had even have one yet. Kayla bought one at the lure swap, and I didn't. I forgot to grab one. I was just like, oh, no, I get, I'm pretty sure I, pretty sure Mm-mm. I. No, we were like we were like doing separate things. Kayla bought one though, I think, or stole one, one of the two. What a hoodie? A hoodie. I claim she. I could have sworn I brought one for you too. I'll Maybe to I might have just not grabbed it. Hey, I'm gonna try to make it down to the bait lab this week, and I got Kayla's shirt. Nice. Um, so I gotta, we're gonna drop that off. But it made a major transformation these last few days. Like it, it, it underwent like extreme lab makeover. Because you know, before it was like I, I kind of cleaned it out just enough to work out of. Like I literally just cleared enough shit out that I could fit in there. Yeah. Now I've gone like a step further. I've like cleared all the wood pile out, and, like all the old parts and tool, like just old tools and shit, like parts from his old eighteen wheeler, like a part, like six old weed whackers, just stupid shit like that. So now it's more like a fishing man cave than a junk cave with a microwave in it. So that's it's awesome. There. I mean, yeah. That's how it, one step at a time, man. That's how, mm-hmm. that's how it goes. My shop started as literally a, a little like three foot workbench tucked in the corner of my garage. Damn it. This conversation is going to segue so good when I just wish the surprise guest would get here. Well, so I just could- talked, I, I just guilted Swinky into potentially joining. Okay, good. I guilted him. I was like... Well, that'll be yeah. good, too, if he joins late and then sees who it is, because he'll feel like a big jackass when he sees who <laughs> it is. I literally was like, hey, uh, Tom got this guest for you to hear tonight. We're, we might be disappointed when we find out who it is, but we're not... Oh, there he is. Oh, there Here he is. Go. At least we'll have At least we'll have his reaction mm-hmm. to said may or may not be disappointing guest. Maybe. Look, he's he's thinking about it. He's he popped in. He peeked his head in the room just to see who's here, and he's going to leave again. Well, I, I wanted to hear about Donnie's day on the water here today. He's yeah, thinking we, about it. There, there he is. is. Look at this. Hi, Donnie. Hi, Donnie. Hey, Apprehensive, uh, Donnie. I I must have guilted you pretty hard because that was a that was a hard yeah I'm coming to the call. What's up with that? And we still don't yeah. know who it is, Donnie. Like we're still in the dark. We're waiting on the surprise guest. You, you definitely know? gilded me. One minute. I know I did. <laughs> he did I did not want to do he since the time I said it, Donnie has not wanted to do this surprise guest. He thinks it's, it's not... every worst enemy that he's ever made. He's going through <laughs> his head. We are recording by to the do way. with that. It's just I fished all day and I got all kinds of crap to do. And... I was gonna say, how was how was your day on the water? Jesse got one, huh? Yeah, yeah, he got one. I didn't uh I hooked two. One cast and one on a sucker. Lost them both. Yeah. Just one so cast know, and was a nice fish. Just so you know, we're recording. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, don't put that on. That doesn't go on the podcast. Well, you can chop it out. Oh, oh, surprise guest. Look at this. Who's we it going to be? He even has a surprise guest. 
literally we just had a quote unquote surprise guest join this podcast it's it says, says surprise guest screen. who could it be what's up mike how are you man great great sorry i'm a little late that's already, all right i told the mike i told him our master play <laughs> uh, making him a little extra anxious and so that was Good. our plan was to trap all of you here and then talk about soft plastics for two hours Oh man, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. <laughs> and I figured 100%. If, if Waterwolf Mike joins, you can't all bail on me. Like nobody's gonna bail on Waterwolf Mike. Well, but this would... is this is a strong strategy because if Mike wasn't here, I was gonna go back downstairs. <laughs> I figured, and that's what I was hoping for. Is that we approached that ten minutes lateness that everyone would be getting antsy. So we so we got Mike here. Cause, so now Tom Tom's gonna pick Mike's brain now for two hours here that's about burn rubber. I love it. Well, as long as Tom starts making musky baits and gives rid of the trout worms, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> the trout worms, I got to give him credit. He's been practicing on the trout worms, and, mm-hmm. and the the musky baits are going to be coming here because New time. You know, I, and actually, this is an ama- this is amazing because I I have so many questions for you, Mike. After watching what Tom has been doing, because you do, and I don't want to jump too far ahead of it. You do a different process than the pouring so to speak you do more of a dipping right yeah, yeah. we do some pouring as well though okay yeah, there's Mike. different moles we have some are open faced and that, that's where some of the pouring gets done yeah sorry go ahead tom i was just gonna say mike's got like 100 methods so that's what we, we were talking about shops before you joined the call and i'm like damn it this conversation could segue so good into shops because mike just sent me like two minutes of his shop like a virtual shop tour it's um, it's the coolest thing I've ever seen. It's and it's it's amazing, and it, this is again perfect because I'm I'm in the midst of you know trying to build baits for Musky Max, and it's just ridiculous how how small things can make your life difficult or easy, like having little hacks or little shortcuts and things like that. Like as I'm as I'm painting blades and epoxying blades, I'm learning how to do it faster, and I can only imagine when you've been doing it as long as Mike that you got a lot of tricks and tips and whatnot always learning always learning uh it's it's never ending yeah this morning you know there's some nights you get up and you're like oh christ but you can't sleep because you're thinking about shit you got to do so i um, i'm working on an actual molded shad so i have a a 3d printed model here oh okay so this is the way to go if you're ever going to spend a lot of money on a mold and you you know you're not sure about what the shape's going to be you can look at the cad model that's emailed to you but i mean this one's got like different eyes on it that are not going to be on this one we were buying like the ratzilla style eyes with the big eyebrow and, and the- mm. but anyways that's, that's good news for me because i've been working with brad our 3d printing buddy to print my, my shapes because i can't sculpt yeah. for shit Hey, I was yeah. going to ask, I was going to ask you guys this while I have the opportunity. So I have, I have somebody that works with me at, at my, I'm going to say my current job that she, so she is, she's a designer. Okay. She works with civil 3d AutoCAD, all of these design applications, the Bentley suite. Like one of the things she asked me the other day, she just started a business on the side. You know, is there like right now, is there a need in say like the musky world do you guys know like if there's a a need for you know somebody that's like willing to cut down on some of the pricing 
for some of that design in AutoCAD? Is that something that that's that's out there potentially? Well, I'm sure it is to a small degree. Um, the thing would be to connect her with the right, like for instance, uh, the fellows at Chaos, you know, where they're they're probably more apt to be designing, you know, new soft plastics and, and need that help, or maybe they, they have some already. I don't know, but those bigger places, if you can, you know, and most people know who owns them. It's just a matter of contacting them, see if they're. But yeah, you save a lot of money doing it that way because compared to the price of cutting a mold and then finding out that, uh, you know, tail's not big enough, you know, like we supplied the, our CNC guy with all the, all the measurements, but the tail is still too narrow. So I put it over the top of the other one, the actual original one, and then kind of did two outlines and sent that to him. So uh, overall, like I was really happy with it and uh, we'll see how it goes. I already ordered sample wire forms for it as well. So they have to be CNC bent as well to fit in the mold properly each time. Well, that's now, that's me... the cool part about the 3D printing, I think, because like you're saying, that tail adjustment, had you just bought the mold, that was probably like a what couple thousand dollar mistake to, to, to say, hey, I want to go back on that mold and redo the whole mold versus I just want to redo the 3D printed master, you know? Yeah, yeah. It saves a lot of money for sure. And I don't think anybody that... that is a lure designer has ever come out with a lure and bang first, first time it's ready to go. And I think that's pretty rare. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that. I always wonder about the prototyping process, like mm-hmm. in your hand, our listeners can't see, but you're holding a 3d printed pr- prototype of basically of the molds, you know, the, I guess you would create the mold with, right? Correct. Like that's, and um, I mean, how, how do you prototype the even the internal harnessing in something like that? Like to getting to know how much weight to add, how, where to add the weight, how it's going to fit in the mold, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, well, the wire part is probably the easiest, but what you're talking about, the weight and where to place it is, is the hardest part, right? So um, I, uh, I'm just thinking, uh, what the heck is the name of it? Tony Lead, yeah. Uh, did I pour lead yet? Yeah, or do you pour lead now? No, I, I've looked into it. I, it's one of the things I started looking into now that I have so, some space. There's a company called Do It Molds. Yep. And they sell all kinds of jig head molds and whatnot. But they also do sell blanks. Mm-hmm. So if somebody's ever looking to uh, to have like a jig head mold cut and wanted to, you know, get a little bit cheaper than like billet aluminum and having it machined, those things there, I think, are probably forty-five US. Yeah, they're cheap. Yeah, and then you just you can take that to a CNC machinist, and they just mill the the face of it a little bit. Oh, so you have the option to machine a mold that's already been machined. It's not exactly, yeah. Ah. And then they just take your design and cut into it, right? So, mm, but you need a good machine. I guess that's step one: is find a good machine guy if you're gonna get into this stuff. You need a good programmer first. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that kind of goes back to Ryan's, you know, the, the, the CAD. Is that what we're talking about when we say programmer, like someone to actually go in and code or actually, you know, do the actual design and make the changes. And that's where Brad, our previous guest, I mean, he is so into that, like the details of the actual designing where, you know, my son has a 3d printer and, Right now, we're only at a place where he's printing stuff that someone else has designed. You know, he's not 
he's not doing it himself yet, but you know, hopefully that's next. But man, it that is a whole, it is so cool to to you know to even think about how getting into that whole thing where you know being able to prototype and create molds using the three D printer. Yeah, I mean, Tom, if you ever wanted my, I mean, Sebastian can could if 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 you if you had a file, Sebastian can three D print it for you. But yeah. you know, we just don't have the files. I'll just have to pit him against Brad, you know, in like a battle of the three D printers. Well, Brad sent me a file. He sent me a um. Actually, here it is, right here. I haven't I haven't even had time to put it together yet. Um, ah, it's it's that's bait, one half. That's one, yeah, that's one half of it. So, um, looks like a rattle trap to me. It is, yeah. 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 And uh, so, yeah, I I haven't had a chance to actually assemble it, but it's really cool. You just you print it, and then you got to figure out how to wire the inside. And mm-hmm. so, know, is that what you're going to use for musky? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, he's caught he's caught a number he's caught a number of muskies on on these. This is a, like a know, super trap profile, like, like a the build five of a super inch, trap. Yeah, it might be four four inches. Yeah, Dude, well, we were, so we were talking. Here, a good, right? I was gonna say that bite here is not that far away. Mm-hmm. We get we get a real good rattle bait bite here. Small fish bait. Well, <laughs> we were talking about molds before, and like I, th- I thought I was big shit because I got like five molds now, six molds, you know. And then Mike sends me this oh. video. Mike sent me like 15 minutes before the podcast. I was watching him with Kayla at the very end of the video. He goes, "Oh yeah," and my molds, and he spins back around, and he's got like. 8,000 pounds of aluminum just stacked under the table, just molds after molds after. I'm like, oh my God. That's if you're, if you're doing bass baits um, and you want to do them with any volume, you have to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking so, of volume, I had one, I had a question in my phone for tonight. I've been kind of building questions up. I was going to ask you what volume you buy your plastics in now, but we kind of saw that in the video. So I, I bought a five gallon bucket the other day and again, thought I was pretty big shit. And Mike sends me this video where he's just got, it looks like Breaking Bad. He's got drum Errols, after yeah. drum, drum after drum after. I'm like, oh, baby. And, and you think that's a lot. You should see what John Bondi's shop looks like. I oh, can I imagine. Yeah, they go through so much plasticol there. Like, they send me a picture of, I think, a 16 altogether that they just got. Drums. Oh, my God. Drums, yeah. yeah. I thought 30 bucks shipping was bad on a five-gallon bucket of plastic. I was just bitching and moaning about that. I'm like, 30 bucks to ship a bucket? Do you just get, like, a giant pallet dropped off in your your driveway just full of it? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so we'll get, like, uh, the last time we got um, drums on two skids. How many is that? You kind of cut out. Yeah. Wow. Two skids. But that's lasted me a year. So far, I'm just gonna get ready to order after the uh, the shows in early April. I think we'll be finished up because there's only two more to go. There's uh, the Musky Odyssey on the 25th of uh, March, and then there's another one the weekend after uh, in Peterborough. So, do your neighbors at this point think you're like a meth lord or so? Because I, I I wear a gas mask. Like Mike sent me his respirator recommendation. I got the Nabulsi respirator. And I'll run outside with like flaming Pyrex cups and my neighbors all think I'm like a drug lord now. So my years have to be a little suspect if they're dropping oil drums and in the country. And oh, fair. Yeah. So we've got six acres here where we are. And when we moved, I built a shop there and a big driveway. Cause I knew transports love that. <laughs> see, see, Nate bud told us the other day when he came down to see the lab, you told the, him it was right next to the, the already existing meth lab. So yeah. I, just, 
I just there, assumed that was normal for where you're the whole the, the, the village of Han Town kind of looks like one big meth lab. I think that's like how he put it, and he's pretty right. So I kind of fit in here, I guess, in my respirator. And... Well, <laughs> let me ask you, why? What's with the pivot or the decision to make a, I guess, a, a hard body? I don't want to say hard body, solid, solid pore. Yeah. Uh, Shadzilla, as opposed well, no, to that's his prototype, though, and that's not like the bait, that's like it's just a like Brad's making like prototypes for the mold. No, 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 no the one Mike has, is, uh, yeah, like this is a prototype. But uh, talking about why would I want to change from a dipped Shadzilla to something that's shot in a mold, right? Uh, like a yeah. dipped, a dipped yeah. bait that, that is yeah. that's hollow on yes. the inside. For any of our mm. listeners that don't know what we're talking about, please go back to our earlier episode in the uh, when Mike was on, where we talked about the fact that his baits, uh, the Shadzillas, are hollow on the inside, and you can actually replace them. Like you can, you can buy just the the hollow harness. body and and insert the harness, so you can actually replace them at a lower cost, so to speak, than having to rebuy the entire bait. I don't know how many people actually do that. Probably more not. More, more and more do. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, I don't know how many customers, you know, what percentage of customers that we have that actually know that you can do that. Probably not a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, so what's what's with the, you know, is there a thought process behind that? Yeah, there's a thought process from probably two directions. So from uh, kind of the perspective of, get to the point where i'll sell the business uh something like this is a lot easier to manufacture and takes less uh i guess learned skill so from that perspective yeah if, if we're gonna you know sell the business there's molds you put this in you shoot plastic and then you can paint them if you want, ready to go right versus uh dipping um you know dipping takes a lot more skill, learned skill over time, because you've got all the variables, like the, the plastic has to be the right temperature, the draw rate out of the pot with the dippers has to be, you know, the right speed. Um, there's all kinds of little things that, um, if one thing goes wrong, then, you know, it's like really thick baits, or they're too thin, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but from the other side of it, uh, you know, it's not a replaceable harness bait, but this is, uh, I'm hoping, will be more durable than than what we've got now. So, because we do have we have customers we can't win over because uh, the shadzillas are a little bit softer, and because of that cavity, the the harness can rip out. I mean, that's always been kind of the the kill the Achilles heel of that bait. Um, you know, on, on, but on another side of the coin, when you set the hook on a rubber bait with a with a solid frame on the inside as opposed to one that can move around mm. percentage of hook hookups are a lot better with a hollow bodied swim yeah. compared to one that has a solid. So there's this many schools of thought on it, you know, it lasts longer. Um, I mean, that's why you see the bass guys going nuts too, over the hook slots and the swim baits. Like they yeah. want that, they want that give to get a better hook yeah. set. So it's, it's funny yeah. that musky guys are like, no, it's weird. Well, they know, right. I mean, I, I think that bass guys are a lot more attuned or in tune with what baits, you know, what new baits are and what mm -hmm. the are about. Whereas I think a lot of musky guys are like, bucket on, let's fish, right? Mm -hmm. 
wrong. I could be wrong, but that's just kind of the general impression I get. Kermuski mm-hmm. guys that that are crazy about baits, no doubt too. I mean, oh yeah, other shit. Yeah. That's cool though. I mean, uh, can I answer your question, on? You're on mute, Owen. Oh. Your lips are moving. Yeah, absolutely. That answer that answers my question, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, for any for those, I guess, skeptics that you can't win over with the hollow bottom bait because they will tear apart. I kind of get that, but if they if you're if 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 your clients you know knew that you could easily replace it for only fifteen dollars as opposed yeah. to buying a whole new bait at 30 or 35 dollars or whatever a new bait goes you know i don't know what i don't know what the poseidons or um and, and uh, those that's oh, US. come to canada and, and look at 45 50 60 dollars for a swim bait right. that's a that's a good question like and i understand like the exchange rate and stuff too but why is musky baits like so much more expensive up there like why is that like part of the culture to have like all of these like really high-end expensive lures i don't know because i from the bass end uh, yeah my wife and i started bass fishing over 20 25 years ago and then we got into bass tournaments and then pike fishing and then musky fishing after that these guys that are spending like you're talking about hard baits right yeah, I'm t- yeah, hard baits, but I mean, it, it just seems... It's a, it's a culture, is what it is. Like, I tease my buddy Bruce, he lives down the road, Bruce uh, comes out and helps all the time, and he's always winning stuff on raffles. I hear you guys love raffles, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a good raffle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I heard that podcast. But anyways, so Bruce just got a couple lures, hard baits, and, you know, he fishes... Not a lot, a lot, but I said, you're turning it into a collector. <laughs> He's kind of laughed because, you know, they're, some of the paint jobs and the time that these guys put into them, you know, I guess it's a uh, yeah. lack of supply and, and demand that brings those prices up. Then it comes down to, like, how much would you want paid, Ryan, if you just spent, like, 12 hours on a hunk of wood? Like, oh, I mean, I get that, but I also like, I also look at guys here like a Toddly a party. That dude doesn't – like, Todd doesn't sleep. Like, yeah. he loves right. making lures so much. And, and his thing, it's a lot like even, like, Donnie, like Evan, too. Like, these guys want their baits fished. Mm-hmm. They, it's a, it's a tool. Like they want their baits fished and they want to see fish pictures and they want to see guys catching fish. Like they don't want to see them in a bait case. Like what I have here. They don't want that. (laughs) They want those baits in the water, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of both, I guess, but man, this is crazy. The last musky Odyssey, I was listening to another podcast uh, last month and somebody spent $1,400 $1,400 on a bait. That's Canadian, so maybe $1,100 US on one bait. What's Let me Nick? guess. Let me guess. Was that a hose bait? No, no, no. Um, it, oh, Wishmaster, I think. Oh, Wishmaster. Okay. Those are so hard to come by, obviously, since the guys passed on. I can't remember how long. You see, I mean, you're always going to have kind of like a, a hard-to-find rarity type of, you know, uh, situation with musky baits, but I, and I get that. I mean, cause you get that really in any industry, any hobby, but what I don't get is the guy, I guess that the baits that are costing 200, $250 that aren't collector baits. These are baits that you're running. You know what I mean? Like these are, yeah. 
these are baits that you intend to run. That's a lot of money to spend on a bait. But I mean, yeah. they're, I mean, it's. Then, then you get people with the, you know, that go out and fish and talk about them and it just gets the, the ball rolling, you know, like blue water baits, mm-hmm. right? Lydia makes some fantastic lures and right. he's in that ballpark, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, I, you know, I'll see charter captains on the St. Lawrence that on Facebook that are talking up his stuff and I'm sure they, them, but those baits always run true. They're durable. Mm-hmm lot of fish is that is that another aspect to this too is like the canadian shield stuff like we don't have a lot of even though there's been some bait makers that have made baits specifically for rocky nobody's buying an 800 hundred dollar bait to go troll pie me exactly we're (laughs) dealing with like cribs and everything else like got my thousand dollar wishmaster going to the mall yeah right you know we don't have a lot of baits that are built for that canadian shield rocky type atmosphere yes i think that's a good point that it's it's more understandable to, to especially let's say the Georgian Bay, which I, the blue water baits. That's kind of where they they had originated. My understanding was, and you know, trolling a two hundred dollar bait in Georgian Bay, you could probably troll that bait a good bit of the summer without much risk of a, a true snag. Whereas you're trolling something around the Western Pennsylvania reservoir, <laughs> you know, Better you could be doing everything right. You could be doing everything right and still, you know, lose a two hundred dollar bait. Hook a car, hook a barge, hook a right. body. It's different. Know. You know, it's you know, oh, if you're trolling really? the Georgian Bay, you can you can do it with a little bit more confidence. I would think. I don't know. Nick's not here to 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 refute me and tell me I'm an mm-hmm. idiot. So Nick's gonna be mad he missed this one. <laughs> for for Mike for Mike Nablusi, as he likes to call him. <laughs> is it Surprise guest! I was going to put Shadzilla Mike because that's, oh, <laughs> that's what he goes with. He calls them. He calls them everything but the right thing. Mike Nablusi, mm. Mike Nablusi. <laughs> well, let's get. We're talking. We're talking hard baits. Let's get back to soft baits here. We got. We got. We got the 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 I Godfather tried. of plastics. I tried to sneak us away from the soft. Tried plastics. to pivot us away from it, but I had nice my move, first. Ryan. We talked a little about the shops, Mike, and I wanted the first thing that I had in my phone was I want to. I want like a visual of the first shop how did it start because i know i saw the videos what it is now do you mm-hmm. remember what it looked like the first day like the day you decided the day you decided i'm going out and i'm making rubber worms what what did you have i had a basement with a cat box in it <laughs> <laughs> in a microwave one microwave. In a microwave and i'll tell you how how uh how ghetto it was i didn't even have pyrex containers at the time so i was using <laughs> bowls and they didn't last <laughs> like cereal bowls <laughs> <laughs> different tubes and fish bowls oh boy yeah yeah so it, you started you started really making the bass stuff right yeah, yeah and and still am we, we got away from it for a while um the bass market is so competitive uh of the different varieties of lures that keep coming out every year i mean it's just like you know, color of blue jeans, the next finish, right? It's just and now with bait making so big, I mean, you have yeah. so many. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're bringing, actually, for vast magnet lures, uh, you might not be able to see this, so that's a new story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're gonna start uh, June bug. So, yeah, and then, for so, people that can't see, it's like a high, it's like the, what do they no, call it? Yamamoto makes one. It's like called a, what's that rib body that he makes? It's not the same. No, no, the swim bait. 
He makes a swim oh. bait like that, but it doesn't have a paddle tail. It has a fork uh, tail. A fork tail. Yeah, I know. Yeah. 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 yeah so Admiral, what, what is that ribbed? Tail. What is that ribbed pattern called? Like a leech it's style, kind of. Ribbed. They call that. They call that the French tickler. <laughs> it's like super rib though. It's not like a Kitek rib. It's like yeah, a, no, this is awesome like rib. a deep rib. This yeah. is actually like a Kitek style with tails the same, right? Yeah. It's very. Let me try and get that in there. Yeah, so the bigger ribbing. Style. Yeah, but the ribbing in this case is the profile is meant to look like a sunfish, right? Yeah, it's taller. See the, those Kiteks are more of a minnow shape base. Uh-huh. Now, yeah. The new you're going to see this start to pop out. There's a manufacturer, yeah, a bait manufacturer called G Crack, and they're I think they're out of Japan, and they made a bait like this without the paddle tail, and it just had a pintail on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember the name of it now offhand, but it was very popular with guys in the know. And I saw that bait, and I stuck one of our paddle tails on it like this, and I sent it to a, a mold maker down in the U.S. Uh, I think it's called Hog Salad Molds. He does really nice molds. So anyways, I sent him the picture and he goes, yeah, I was just working on one for four weeks now. And I'll have the mold. I was like, yes. Nice. (laughs) So so yeah, it's going to be a popular shape. But the rib, the deep rib on this, what's really good about it is it gives you that big profile. But when the fish hits it, it just condenses down to nothing pretty much, right? Mm -hmm. I thought about doing that for a musky bait. Um, so did I, Mike. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if your thought process was the same as mine here because I, I nixed the idea for a very specific reason. Well, I mean, for anglers, I could see the benefit being lighter weight, yeah. But it's you know, you could get you know, a 12 inch swim bait that weighs half of what a normal one does, uh-huh. they're very floppy and they're gonna get torn easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I was thinking of how I'm like, this thing looks really cool in my head. And I'm like, it's going to look like total shit once like five of those like deep exaggerated ribs get ripped off and you have like yeah. a, yeah. and then my idea died. <laughs> so maybe you could do it and do it. Ooh, cool. Uh, I, have, I have enough of my plate. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So you, at the time, this little shop, you didn't even have molds though when you were starting, you were just dipping in molds. No, we were just dipping. dipping. Yeah. It all started, uh, I mean, we were, my wife and I were tournament bass fishing and mm-hmm. people, you know, I, I sat in as what they call a scrutineer uh, in one of the bigger bass tournaments. I think you, I remember you telling us that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And long story short, those people had hand pours that were done in California. I, I investigated it and then started doing it as well. Right. Yeah. So you were making yeah. like silicone hand pour molds right off the bat. Then. Those were like yeah. your first molds then. Yep. Yeah, you buy that two-part silicone and mix it and get your Lego blocks to make a box and stuff. So you, you, it sounds like you kind of had the same process entering as, like, most people. You didn't think, know what I mean? Yeah, we all did, probably. Because yeah. yeah. not sure. everybody has a Ford and aluminum mold right off the top. Yeah, that's, that's what I was curious, mean. maybe, if you just went balls to the wall right off the bat and had the tube dippers and you're like, I'm honey, but we're opening a credit card and buckle up. Like, I didn't know if that's how it went or if you had that gradual way in, like, we see now yeah it was, it was, i'd say it was pretty gradual yeah do you remember how much you were buying like gallon jugs of plastic at the time i'm oh, yeah. guessing yeah yeah i thought i thought five gallons was the cat's ass it was like yeah that's where i'm now, like, oh. did you start off buying your plastisol from a canadian manufacturer or did you have to buy it from the states i get everything from the states 
Um, there are Canadian manufacturers and we've tried to find, you know, one that can produce plastisol for lures. And you know, there's so many different types of plastisol. I mean, you guys know that it's used like in, in screen printing, right? Yeah. That's plastisol there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they use it for all kinds of things. We found a place in Cambridge, which is on the other side of Toronto, that used plastisol dipping for the back of the brake pads. Right. So mm. to quiet the, you know, the, the squeaking and all that sort of thing. So we worked with them to try and figure it out, but um, it just wasn't in their wheelhouse to, to figure out. They couldn't come up with a formula that would work well for, for fishing lures. Right? They, get, they got all the components to make the plastisol in house, but eh. couldn't hit the huh. nail. Yeah. It's really yeah. interesting. It's funny you mentioned the plastisol being used for clothes because that didn't. I it's I worked in a screen print shop in college using plastisol. I said the word a million times. Then I start using it for baits. They never clicked. And then the one night, ironically enough, I'm wearing the pants. I don't know if you can see here. Got a little sploosh on there, and I'm trying to get it off my pants. And I'm standing there with a razor, and I'm like, "This won't come out." And then it clicked. I'm like, "Wait, plastisol." That's what we used on clothes. I'm like, I get oh, it now. Does it like impregnate? Yeah, because you the... are not getting that shit out of your pants. It, it just goes into the fibers of the clothing and grabs. Mm-hmm. I guess I got a lot of old clothes like that. To go <laughs> yeah, it's huh. decorated. They're unique. It's like tie dye, kind of. Never, never knew that. That's interesting. I always figured like screen printing stuff was just ink. Yeah, it's well, it, it's ink in plastisol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, it, and, it's, and it's thickened, right? So you'll see those guys when they put the the uh, the, the garment or the t-shirt or whatever in that uh, little vice or whatever it is, and then they put the screening over top and use a squeegee on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do they so, heat that stuff up? Yeah, it goes and they put those t-shirts on a conveyor belt that goes through an oven. It's like almost like it. it's a going through, right? Mm-hmm. So it'll go through, and then it transforms the plastisol from its liquid form to its solid form, it's, it's, it heats the catalyst. So wow. you making your own shirts too, Mike? Is that what you're saying? No, Here you go. No, uh, I, I have a guy down the road. I'll take one. <laughs> I want one, please. <laughs> I got a pot that's like, I don't know if you can see that one. Ooh, Ooh I like that one. That's yeah, Shadzilla. Yeah, yeah. I like that Where, a lot. Where's that, where's that available at? Uh, they're all on our website. Oh. You guys got to get me a central location to ship some stuff to your Ooh, we could do that. Yep, my house. I'll give you my address. You can yep. have my address. Well, I'll run it all out of here. No problem. <laughs> and it'll all go missing randomly. Swink, Swinky tried there, but I wasn't letting him have it. <laughs> okay, so I got I got a, so going off this old shop. I got a million more questions in my phone. I'm going to start hitting them. Is that all right? Yeah, Uh-oh. I got I got a all bunch right. too. So. Go for Fire it. Away. All right. So you got this old shop and I, I'm kind of like at the, the beginner Mike DeBolsey stage with his cereal bowls and gallon of plastic. Right. And I'm having disasters. Like I told Mike, I had my first glitter catastrophe the other day where the glitter got sucked into the fan and decorated the whole freaking room. And I'm wondering, <laughs> I'm wondering, I want to hear some Mike DeBolsey like glitter catastrophes or if you set any cups on fire or like, oh, I want to hear some horror yeah. stories. Yeah, it all depends what kind of plastic you have too, right? So you've scorched your plastic. Oh yeah, I'm good at that one. What, what happens when you scorch the plastic you have? Does it grow into a... Oh big- yeah, it bubbles into like a mound of smelly black tar. Yeah, that's yeah. what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah, and that the gas, that's where you have to be careful with that stuff. Like it won't catch fire, 
Mm-hmm. But the problem is when it scorches like that, depending on the brand of plastic all you have, it uh, the gas that it emits when it burns is hydrochloric acid. Oh, it's not no good. bueno. <laughs> no. So, and on top of that, if you let it like rest in your shop and there's any um, unfinished metal, so nothing, you know, carbons that, that are not painted, it corrodes it. Like it's, Ooh. Even our aluminum dippers, like we had a bad one once. The aluminum dippers started to get white, like a white haze on them. So it was corroding the aluminum too. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah I, so, I, I frantically run them outside all the time. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, my, the one that I set on fire, I told them, I think it was because I didn't stir. So I was using Owen's old Alumisol dye, which is like the gnarliest. It bleeds. It's, it's like some gnarly dye. And I just kind of was dripping it in without mixing it. Mm-hmm. And I put that mic on for a minute and it went poof. Because I think I didn't wow. stir the dye in, so I guess the dye alone is flammable. I don't know. I, it shouldn't be. Yeah, it depends what the dye. Like the dye has to be uh, in sort of some liquid substrate. Yeah, so I'm thinking it was like resting on top of the plastic and just caught fire, or it could be for, that it was from like 1930. Well, okay, uh, are you uh, the okay the whole stick of um, of um, Pyrex jar full of rubber into a microwave is a very inexact way of controlling a temperature i can only assume if you're having pallets of this shit delivered to your 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 shop you're you're probably heating it up in a more in four microwaves sophisticated way to keep it at the a right really big microwave yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah um yeah we know what, what temperature is like so the, I think the optimum size microwave to heat plastisol in is, in terms of wattage, is about 1,100 watts. That's, that's more than powerful enough. So I've got three like that and one that's 1,200. And when we cook... Yeah, I'm not bullshitting now, and he really does have four microwaves. Like, that's not a joke. See, I, I honestly thought that you probably <laughs> wouldn't be using microwaves so much. I, like, you know you're what? using more of, like, a of a hot pot? If that makes sense, like where it's a controlled environment. Well, they go from the microwave into the hot pot. Okay. So it's just to catalyze the plastic and get it at temperature. Um, The next step would be uh, a heat exchanger unit. So that's what these bigger guys like John Bondi use. So the plastic, you'll see, if you ever see some of his videos, he's got like five gallon pail and they're going to shoot a bunch of Bondi worms. They'll mix all the glitter um, and whatever else they're going to put into that plastic, uh, the colorant, and they'll mix it up. And then it goes into this tube through a heat exchanger, which cooks it. And then it goes right through the, the a heated hose. And that, that is the best way to do it. Really, it is. Um, I just I don't make enough money making lures. <laughs> one of those damn things. I thought about it. Um, if I didn't dip so much, you know... I probably would have got one by now, maybe in five or six years when we're doing a lot of molds. Like I, I've watched him do his and it's just like filling, 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 filling. And that plastic is the right temperature. And they have uh, um, a hood over top of the molds that, that picks up all the smoke and whatnot. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a pretty cool. Uh, I didn't realize how important temperature was too in color. So like that, like, you know what I mean? Like, so if you have your one color, you have your recipe, 20 drops in a cup gives me this color. 
and then you go a little too hot or you heat that like too many times and it starts losing saturation or losing color or you fry yeah. your glitter or so like yeah. i didn't realize yeah. how important that consistent temp you know like especially with glitter because most of the glitter that we get um is meant for the uh i think like the greeting cards and shit like that and nails mm. yeah like that that's but the fishing industry, uh, in terms of the amount of glitter it uses, it's so small for for the glitter industry. It's so, you know, there used to be ten years ago a lot thicker polyester glitter that didn't fold, but now it's very hard to find. I think people are trying to make more money as a business, right? And it, glitter is like it's like TP, like toilet paper, getting thinner every <laughs> year. <laughs> yeah. Could yeah. you imagine like owning a glitter company? Like that's what you do. You just produce glitter. I've watched videos every day. Like after... how do we how do we get more glitter on the streets? Could you imagine? Yeah, like imagine the strategic planning on that one for a second. Let's stretch. We got to make it smaller to stretch our glitter out. You know, like <laughs> yeah, right. step on it. We watched. So Mike sent me a video of his. Like I sent him a picture of my pathetic little library with my like three cups of Michael's glitter and three dyes, and he hit fires back like a video of his ten like fifty pound bags of glitter and shelving units and stuff so that led me into a rabbit hole on youtube of glitter factories and how it's made and that's wild yeah yeah it's pretty cool some of the some of the stuff that you, that they have now um tricolor and color changes mm-hmm. yeah it's cool kayla speaking of glitter we were we kind of creep around michael's now and kayla found some glow in the dark powder glitter yeah, you don't you don't like see it? It doesn't change to bait any color, like, but you can add it to pretty much any color. It's chartreuse looking, but you can add it to like pink, and it won't change the color. It's weird, but it does make glows like a beast. Uh, that's probably because like it's got no pigment. It is just yeah. glow, which is a material, which is a mineral, right? Mm-hmm. It's all mined in Asia too. That's ah. we well, I have a jar of it. Uh, if you ever pick up the actual glow material, it's like heavier than sand. Hmm. It's, it's pretty cool. And it's, it's like I say, it's mined in China. Um, and there's different grades of it, right? So you'll get some glow that's cheaper if you ever buy some for yourself. And I wonder why it's because it doesn't last as long for glowing, right? It's not as mm, okay. uh, I try to airbrush that stuff. It's crazy. Because like, you have to have your clear base so thick and always shaking the, the can or the bottle underneath the the airbrush because it settles like poof on the bottom. Yeah, it's so heavy. It is, yeah. Well, it's like if you ever felt a lure like uh, you're uh, the spoon is called a little Cleo. I don't yeah. Know. So if you ever seen those with the glow on them, it looks like it's like sand almost in the paint, right? Yeah, it's rough. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what it's like. Ah, that makes sense. Well, getting back to horror stories, speaking of these big bags of glitter, have you ever like kicked one over or spent the whole day vacuuming glitter out of your shop like I have? Oh, I've smoked glitter a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That one. And and, um, that led me to try aluminum glitter. So the company smoked a lot of things. I was going to say, I've smoked a lot of things. I've never smoked (laughs) glitter. (laughs) Not intentional. That's just what that's is that what they just call sour papaya up there in Canada? <laughs> glitter. Glitter. I don't know. It's a hybrid of glitter. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's some aluminum glitter from a place in New Jersey. And you can buy you have to buy those are the bags that I have that were 20 pound bags. 
And guys swear that you can't use aluminum glitter in the microwave. That's what I was going to ask. I had that written down on my phone too. And so I've never had an issue with it. Huh. Um, because, like I say, I know the wattage that I need in the microwave. And I use a certain power for a certain amount of time. Right? Mm. I think it's. Do you average. add the glitter? Do you add the glitter or the aluminum glitter to already melted plastic, right. or uh, like you can't? You wouldn't like put a hard piece of plastic in or rubber and then put glitter in and put it in the microwave. That would probably make it, exp- uh, you know, yeah. spark. Yeah, but if you add it to the already. Uh, you know, add it to the already hot plastic. I think that would, I don't know, insulate it. If, it. if it's spread around evenly in the plastic, maybe that's part of the reason it doesn't, you know, arc in there. Mm-hmm. Like if you, you know, you can put a little bit of tinfoil on things in a microwave, like a turkey on the legs, and stuff, but you can't go crazy. But yeah, I've never had an issue. Like I say, and I think. I could be wrong here, but maybe the science there. I think it has to have like enough surface area to reflect the radio. What I mean, like it. Yeah, yeah. But this that's, the stuff is like bulletproof. That's cool because I noticed. Oh, and you were saying with remount, like reheating hard plastic with glitter. I do notice that's like when it burns. So like the first time, like I'll have my little yeah. baby, my little wimpy Pyrex cup with my little cup of plastic, and I heat it up, cook it, then you add the glitter, and it's all pretty, right? Then you leave that Pyrex cup on your workbench. You come back the next day, say, hey, I want to use this again. And you heat it up. If you're not very careful with how you heat that, like you don't just throw it in the microwave for five minutes, come back and say it's ready. Like you do like a minute, check it, a minute, check it, maybe 30 seconds, check it. Because there's like a fine line. If you cross that line, that glitter looks like shit. Unless the- you're using the Mike DeBolsey special sauce. <laughs> Isn't there a better way to heat plastic? Yeah, like I say heat exchanger. Mm. Yeah, that that is the best way to go. Um, you have a pump that just draws in the blast saw into the hole, uh-huh. and it goes through the heat exchanger, changes it from I don't know whatever it is, twenty five degrees. So now I'm talking Celsius. But anyway, from from cold, you know, cold viscous state in through, mm. it's like three seventy, three fifty, and around there, just in the, snap your finger and it goes through. But you'd be amazed at the luck we've had acquiring things we need for shops just by say, speaking it. So maybe if anyone listening has a, what's it called? A heat exchanger? A heat exchanger. If they got two used heat exchangers laying around. Fire one to Mike in Canada and one to me in PA. Listen, I'm a little closer to you, Tomboy, than I feel comfortable right now. Just trying to think through the whole East Palestine thing and everything mm-hmm. floating through the air here. Like, I'm going to smoke a cup of plastic and smoke Ryan out over there in Youngwood. Speaking of that East Palestine thing, you know, the, at the lore swap the other day, there was a guy uh, towards the back um, at the back window that was painting. Yeah, he was painting a bunch of, I don't know if they were like slammers and just stuff he bought, blanks he bought. Uh, but he was from East Palestine and he was saying just how bad it is over there, man. So if, if we have any listeners over that way or up the, up that way, you know, our thoughts are going going out to you because that is a messy, messy situation you guys got going Donnie's on. Donnie's right in the blast zone. How far, far are you from that? You know, 20 miles. Wow. Okay. Yeah, just cool. about the, the train derailment? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. We're all relative. Like, if you look at a like a chart, 
of like the they call it like the like the fallout chart or whatever they like the they made like a radius a diameter of who could be affected we're all like well within that like in western pa donnie's just the closest out of all of us i think yeah i mean <clears throat> excuse me i can be in ohio in 20 minutes I'm, yeah i'm very close to the state line I wasn't yeah, trying to make light of that. I was just no, saying. No, no, that's messed up. No, not at all. Did you see all. the videos? There's people posting videos in the creek. Oh, crazy. All the bait fish are dead. Yeah. All the oh, yeah. Are dead. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so much effect. Like, you know, we're, we're going to be seeing the effects of this for oh, yeah. years. And we're going to be seeing 20 years from now. Like, oh, Those that's commercials because on of, TV. That's were because you in the of the, the train derailment. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's so I mean it like if, if any part of that's well within our listener area. Like that's I my thoughts go out to you because that's yep. it's crazy, man. Keep your family safe. That's like when they're saying don't plant any oh. next year, you know? Yeah. And affect the groundwater. And then, yeah. Oh, are we going to see Owen uh, switching attorney professions? He's going to come on defense. a late night infomercial. Oh, <laughs> shit. And my stress level <laughs> might go down if I did that. So Have you bro, been affected by the train? Derailment? I told him he needs yeah. a cool commercial. <laughs> his his rival, Steidel and Steinberg, got like a Batman-level produced million-dollar Super Bowl don't commercial. don't do what I do. Steidel and Steinberg. Dar- dar- it doesn't mean you don't need a cool commercial with all of us in it. They're what? You called them those morons. <laughs> they're nincompoops. Words. Hopefully, Steyer and Steinberg bank- don't listen. They, they don't listen. <laughs> I can assure you. No, you're thinking Shander of the twins. No, you're thinking. Yeah, you're listen. thinking. Of, yeah. Thinking of the twins. Shenderover, Shenderover, Champishman. Shenderover, Shenderover, Champishman. All right, let's quit boring Mike with yeah. with our local local jokes. Yeah. I want to hear Back. more about. I I got I got, a, I got a, a boatload of questions. I got still more about, shop ones. Yeah, go go ahead, go go so ahead. So here's a, here's an easy one. How many gallons do you think until you got it right? Until you were like happy with what you had? Like I'm gonna sell these and I'm I'm gonna stand uh, behind this, them. This one base. Anything? How many gallons of plastic do you think you burnt through until you were like, I have a product, I'm ready to go. It depends on the actual products. I mean, some of them are a product, like like the first thing I mean, that you were like, I'm going to sell this. Is like your first product is never going to be anything you're particularly proud of. Yeah, it was garbage. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe okay. Yeah. So you didn't get that right. I'm talking. How many do you think? I mean, I know you can't like pinpoint it, but oh, are you five, talking? Eight. You know, on the tubes, it took me a while to be able to dip tubes. It was like probably 10, 20 gallons. Yeah, wasted. And guys would be like, "Can you remelt these?" It's like, "Oh God!" <laughs> so, what did you do with all that then? Like that, these twenty gallons of like—that's where I'm at now because I have these cookie sheets of like things that I'm like, "Ah, eh, you know, like yeah. probably not." Back to remelts, you know. Yeah. You just throw them in a bowl, or you know, it's like we do recycle plastic. Oh uh, yeah, you know the the runners from uh, when we're shooting the Radzillas and stuff like that. Um, which I can imagine that's a substantial amount of plastic compared to it. No, it builds up, yeah. Like, yeah. Blocks of it on the shelves. I don't know if you saw that in the video. Mm-hmm. Like dipping takes a lot more plastic uh, than shooting into a mold, right? Because if you're dipping, like, say, an 11-inch tube. You have to have 11 inches of depth, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so you're constantly filling it all the time. So I've got those microwaves running, you know, when we're dipping tubes. Um, and at the end... You can dip down, like say, you know, your your head on. It's going to be you know, five inches, five and a half inches. So the minimum depth that you have in that pot at all times is at least six to seven inches. Yeah. 
And, you know, that's just, I just pour that into a, a big stainless steel container and it solidifies and I put it on the shelf for when I need that color. Right? So that's, that's an interesting question I have for you now. Cause I'm, I'm in that phase too, where I have puck city building up, but now mm-hmm. I have different pucks, right? So I have my trout plastic, like for my trout worms, real soft plastic. And then I'll have my musky grub, which is like a saltwater blend plastic heavier. So what do you, do you have any issues there? Do you like separate your pucks like bass plastic musky or is it all for, the same? For or? listeners that don't know what the, we're referring to with the puck, you're talking about the, that's yeah, the residual cool plastic. The Looks cool like a plastic puck at the bottom, it. at the bottom of a Pyrex, at, at the Pyrex. Or if you're Mike at, at the bottom, bottom of a, an Olympic swimming pool. <laughs> yeah. Like I pour mine into uh I think it's probably 18 inches by 20 inch pan. Like a, it's, it's like a lasagna pan and we mm-hmm. probably about four or five inches deep. So normally when we're done, I've got two of them and depending on how much is in there, we either have like one or two you know, of those blocks. And you can tell, you're probably getting used to it. You can tell by feel. Right? Yeah. Yep. So I was telling Kayla like, that today. Yeah. It, I guess I guess it's nothing's too vulgar for this. So I said, feel the one. It feels like a boob, and the other doesn't. So the one kind of feels like an implant, like the soft plastic for the trout. It's kind of gushy. I'd say it depends on the boob. Yeah, it does depend on the boob for sure. But yeah. Now here's an here's an idea for you, Mike. You maybe you're missing a market because when I'm I was getting into this plastic thing and I was looking online at my options and you can buy like the plastic pucks like pre-colored. Maybe you could start selling those on Waterwolf. You know. Build your own tube kits. Like you can buy, you can buy, yeah, you can buy like little pucks. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I used to, I used to resell plastic actually yeah. and colorant, um, but that in itself is a is a full time job to do properly. In fact, I just, I mean, our, our salesperson down in Calhoun, Georgia, um, at Calhoun Plastics, that's who we primarily buy from. Um, was looking for a distributor and I talked to my wife and she kind of rolled her eyes. She goes, you want to do that again? I said, no, you're right. <laughs> but a buddy of mine was actually trying to get into it. He has a soft uh, hand pour company for bass. And so I referred him over because he wanted to try his hand at reselling plastic. Because you know? the hand pour market is a fair size in Canada. It's huge in the States. Oh, it's huge. Um, it's insane. Like, that's why it blows my mind, anyone that has the balls to, like, enter the bass world in the United States. Because, I mean, you t- you type in bass bait making on YouTube, you're going to see 50,000 videos. Like, everybody makes baits. Like, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then, then you go to the sites that, uh, you know, you can trade and buy used molds. And there's always... Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Molds, at, molds on eBay. Molds. It's yeah. like you could, anyone that wants to make baits can. But then there's this weird divide, like, musky molds. Like, you... You know what I mean? Like you can find oh, you any know, bass. Well, yeah. that, that's yeah. you know that's like comparing any musky anything to a bass anything. The size alone is going to. But you can't even really like that's like that's like an untapped market. Like there really isn't like a musky mold website. You know what I mean? Like you can find bootleg molds and stuff, but there how isn't many people a company. are buying? Yeah, I mean, okay, so you've you've learned how much you go through a lot of plastic. You start oh, yeah. pouring. If you would, if you would have started. Yeah, why do you think I'm making musky trout molds? Worms? Right. If you would <laughs> if you had started pouring musk, you know, musky molds, you would have run out of plastic a long time ago. Hell yeah. So yeah, I mean it's uh, I, I don't know. I, I get why there's not a lot of people that pour their own uh, you know plastic musky lures because if you're not gonna get into the business of selling them, it's a very niche market. So. Yeah, 
Are you really going to spend that much money on a mold, on a, a CNC hobby. mold yeah. that you just want to make for you and your buddies? No, I mean, that's cool if you do, but that's hey, probably I really not like what many my friends. Do. I don't know about you. I like my friends and they're worth anything. Well, I gotta, I gotta say this about the trout worms too, because <laughs> we're, we're at the Three Rivers Chapter Sixteen lore swap, right? Tom shows up late, but he has bags of trout worms, and maybe one of my favorite moments in the night. I happen to like look across. You know, how just like every once in a while, you just glance across the room. Oh, well, yeah. I, I happen to like look up and look over, and I made eye contact with Gene Palisari, and he literally pulls this little pouch of trout worms out of his pocket <laughs> and he starts jiggling it and he's like look what i got buddy <laughs> and it was just like one of those moments where i was like oh man these things are gonna they're gonna That's catch funny. on it's just kind it's, of it's funny. funny though because like we're talking about this like how expensive and like cost effective it is making musky baits and the more i play around like the more i lean to just like sticking with i mean not to say i'm, I'm gonna make a shitload of musky baits but to sell like i don't know if i really want to like it's gonna be a while, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. and you don't have to go hog wild with it either. Like if you, mm. I think there's there's a guy in your area, and I just started following him on Facebook, and he makes a hellbender style lure. But it's like, guess who we're having on tomorrow night? Oh, no, we're having Hel- no. He he said hellbender style. No, you're talking hellbender, right? Hellbender no, no, lures. No. It looks like who? Hellbender lures. Right, but it looks like a hellbender, but it's not. It's 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 a little bit more like hellbender. I've seen those are they've been around. Okay, oh, um, that's a very cool looking lure. I like the fact that I think he's one of the first guys I learned about to put cork in the plastic to make them. Mm, we'll have to ask him about that. Yeah, yeah. I I that's I heard that. Yeah. rumors, but we can confirm it or deny it tomorrow. Yeah, that that lure has been around for a while. He's probably one of the guys that you could use as an example that he got to a point where this is how much you're going to make a year. And I mean, that, that really drives up the demand for the lures too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if you, if you, if you have a limited amount available, it, yeah. I mean, it, you, you definitely up the value of your, of your product. So you don't have to go crazy. I mean, I don't have any interest in, in building a shit ton of, you know, selling, millions of bucktails but i want to do it enough to have a booth at mosky max and have stuff to talk about so if you can get yourself to a position where you can you have a product where hey it makes it worthwhile to spend 350 or 400 dollars to go to musky max and that's it you know and that can be enough you know it's enough for me mm-hmm. yeah and yes, you've already got that yeah, very unique penis design oh yeah so, a couple yeah you know, which penis you you get Tell me about which ones are on your mind tonight. Before anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> always the pe- always back to penises. That's always back to say. the penises. We can just not oh, yeah. get away but from I've, it. And we've got tubes that have been dipped that are hanging like off the wall. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 How come, Donnie, you got to be pen. coming at Mike? This isn't so. helping Nabaluski. <laughs> so, uh, so speaking of, uh, let me ask a question about dipping. And that is, a, how many baits, how many shadzillas or whatever can you dip at one time? I assume seven hundred. Seven hundred <laughs> at one time? No, 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 I mean in a run. So okay, but what so, I mean, like, like if, in terms of what you are dipping, four. Okay, four or five at a time that will fit in that pot. Yeah. Okay, so, that's 
Yeah, sorry. Have you guys ever, I can't remember what movie it's from, but it was Tom Green in his living room singing the song, Daddy, Would You Like Some Sausage? And he's got all the strings tied to the sausage. Ready, go got fingered. Yeah, well, Ready, got I just fingered. picture like Mike in, in his shop just like moving his <laughs> arms up and down, <laughs> dipping, dipping baits. I'm sorry. <laughs> Ronnie, would you like some Shadzillas? <laughs> well, Mike, so he sent me in that video that he sent me, you're not hand dipping them, right, Mike? You got a you got a fancy pants system built up, right? Yeah, hand oh, I thought you said it's like pneumatic kind of like Oh, that was the cutter. That's a tube cutter. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Oh yeah, so that's that's equally as fancy. I I was looking into one of those to make my little crappy tubes. It's essentially like so to describe to people that don't know, if you're going to buy one for your basement bait guy, it's like a bunch of razor blades in a block that you punch it, punch down on a tube, cut your tails all in one shot, right? Yeah. Mike, Mike's got, yeah, Mike's got one that looks like an industrial drill press, like with a freaking hammer, the Thor's hammer on it to slam down tubes. Like we made that one. That's oh, actually, that's cool. That's actually an Arbor press to, to press bearings. Oh. If you work in a machine shop, they probably have one, but uh, it's pretty, uh, pretty old tech. Anyways, we made it's the same thing. It's just a bigger version of what you're talking about, right? Mm, way cooler. And what? So what does that? Um, maybe I, I, I kind of slices your tails up, like so. You yeah. picture a tube, a tube, a dip tube, is just like a. Oh, oh, oh! That's how you slice all the, all the those small fine slices on the tail of a tube. Yeah, not with scissors on. <laughs> no, no. He, actually, I want no. That's a good question. I wondered if you went with a razor blade and like had to cut cut all those. People that probably start that way, but not for long. <laughs> yeah. 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 I have seen guys make make them with scissors. That's why I was joking around. But like, you know, if they don't know, right? Oh, right. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's you fork out five grand for a tube cutter. <laughs> That's right. a, that looked like a machine you do not want to get your fingers stuck in. Uh, no, no, and there's a guard for it, but I take it. Uh, <laughs> of course, yeah. we're not we're not going to tell your you're not going to let your insurance company listen to this. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, that, that's a good that's a good segue I had in my phone. Any injuries ever starting out? Because I've already taken my hands look like I've got burns and cuts. Yeah, Burn, burns are the worst thing, you know. When your plastic gets too hot and you're stirring too fast because it's mm-hmm. very, and then poof, and when it gets on your skin, you know. Yeah, because you can't take it off immediately because it's molten. Yeah. You got to wait till it cools to peel it off your skin. Yeah, like you can't just. Cools, you can like you can push it off. Yeah, but at the same time, you're still cooked. Yeah, oh, yeah. By then, you're burnt. Like yeah. yeah. So if you, I mean, like you said, you have the guard on. They all these videos I'm watching say wear your gloves, wear your gloves, and of course, I that's the first thing I do is take the gloves off because. Uh. uh I haven't been burnt in the longest time because I've just learned that you just don't try to do things too fast. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's yeah. probably the worst thing is ter- in terms of injuries. Um, yeah, plastic is the devil. <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah. I told them, I don't know if you heard, my girlfriend reached over a hot cup with a knife in it and the knife kind of like teeter-tottered out of the cup and onto my wrist and like stuck to my wrist. Yeah, that's the scar it, right here. You can kind of see the scar now. It's already getting nice. I saw it the a knife days, was like this on my wrist. A couple of days like, afterwards, and it was nasty. Oh yeah, I think she was one. branding him. Yeah, she's branding me. Yeah, so I don't get lost. She's nodding her head over there. So we've talked to the the, the dipping aspect of the Shadzillas, the Ratzillas. 
I'm not a, I don't pour my own rubber, but it, that seems to be more of a pour, not so much of a dip. That's a solid body. Yeah, I wish I would have brought a mold in to show you. Uh, Magnum Brazilla, the mold weighs about 45 pounds. Oh my God. Is it yeah. aluminum? Yes. Yes. Yeah, oh. half thick on each side, right? You gotta so send me a video. Our of listeners that one, can't see. I'm I'm holding up a Ratzilla here, and the one and for if for our listeners go on the website and, and take a look at it, and you'll see what we're talking about. But this, I've always wondered about this. The two part, the two part pour. Yeah. Like, do you pour this solid? So turn it upside down first of all, and hold, no upside down. So fins toward the ground back dorsal fin toward the ground yeah that's it okay so that's how the mold sits okay your thumb is at the front in front of the head there's an injection port okay so the injection port goes right underneath the bait goes up into the paddle in the middle and it goes to the end of the tail hmm. so the plastic ah. gets shot through there and then comes out and starts to fill the body Right. Oh. oh, so you fill, you would fill the for our listeners, top. you would fill the top first, technically, and then the bottom. Right. Yeah. So and then what happens is we'll go to a certain level, like you see there, and that's a good example. Yeah. So what'll happen is the plastic will solidify. So we get a heat stripper gun, and once the plastic's got it, you know, enough on it that it can hold hot plastic on top of it without going through. Um, we get a heat stripper gun and just heat the surface of that plastic up again. And then that's where we hand pour the bottom of it. So it's a combo hand injection pour mold. It's, yeah. Which is wild. I mean, for people listening, so like we're like me as a beginner injector, you could call it. I'm used to the molds. You know, you got your one port usually on like the nose. You shoot your bait. You're talking about a mold that's not shooting from the nose. It's like shooting from the side, like the. Well, is it shooting from the it's, the it's, anus? No, no, it's from, from the nose. Like the head. Yeah, but you're saying it's coming in at a different angle. It's not right, coming it in was, like... like... The way it was laid out, right, in front of the lure, there's an injector port and it goes straight down, then it makes a knife uh... underneath the bait. Then it tees off to both the uh, paddle tail on the fin and the tip of the tail on the at the end of the bait. And the plastic is shot into that and then fills the mold. That's so cool. That is so now, again, like, complex really compared to... I encourage our listeners, go on Mike's website, Waterworld Floors, and take a look at the Ratzilla, yeah. and you'll and see what we're talking about. In your head, flip it on the belly. Because the dorsal fin has a little paddle tail that is, you know you don't have on, on it. Really, I don't think any other baits, you know, a paddle tail on the on the dorsal fin. I don't know, man. This I was looking at this this thing and I was like, man, I got so many questions as to how how that's made. And yeah. well, you just answered a bunch of them. Well, but, and the so you're harness, talking like the harness itself. So basically, I've it's suspended, right? Basically, the uh, where the loop comes out in the front of the bait where you uh, tie onto. Yep. Yep. That there's a there's a cut in section on the mold for that, so I'll take their pliers and grab the top hook loop and push that loop, uh, the front tie, into the mold, right? And that so holds it. The first part of the uh, the actual uh, three part harness, I think, with that one. And okay. 
the the latter part, the, the last uh, hook loop at the back, um, is suspended with a wire going across the mold, right? And it just it just plays actually a putty on on the wire and pull it tight. And yeah, I mean, and it's flexible. You know, it does not yeah. feel like it's not like a solid body inside. So no, never needs you know, to be tuned. I think that's a that's a huge. I mean, for me, I know that's like a big barrier. We were talking about why guys don't make rubber musky baits, and so like I'm starting now. I'm doing like external harness rubber baits. Like everything I make, I'm not even thinking about putting harness on the inside. And I think that's because it's like intimidating to think about putting a harness in a mold or having, like you said earlier, having a mold taking it to someone saying, Hey, can you modify this mold to hold a haul? Like that, that's like, that's an intimidating step right there for a beginning. Right, ab absolutely. Like, and that goes back to my question about prototyping is, is like, how do you prototype that to figure out exactly where you want to fit that, you know, the, the internal harness, because you can't figure out how to do your mold until you know exactly how you're going to do the internal harness. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so, so you can't put one you can't put one foot in front of the other, you know. So it, 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 I don't know. It just seems a hell of a lot more difficult than that. That, that one is a little bit harder to to actually manufacture because there's a few steps to it, right? And there's the painting that goes on scale. We'll get we'll get to the painting. I, I've got a, I got some painting questions. Believe me. So now that mold, Mike, you're, is, that a, is that just one bait per mold, or are you talking like six yeah. bait? Oh, one bait per mold. Yeah, so you're so shooting have, one at a time. Yeah, I, I mean, 14 of them. Okay, but, yeah. But that table that you saw in the back? Yeah. So we'll fit 14 molds. So I've got six uh, Radzilla Junior, six uh, regular Radzilla, and two of the Magnums. Okay. Set all those up, get the hot pot full, and then I've got the injector. Which you, Do you have an injector yet? Oh yeah, little two little wimpy ones. I have a single and then so, a dual. But they all work the same. Yeah, just like a it's aluminum turkey baster. <laughs> well, I think I don't think my injector would hold enough plastic to shoot a single Shadzilla. But no. we're getting no. there. Well, that that in the in the Magnum, I have one that shoots the whole thing. It's like sixteen ounces. No, <laughs> twenty ounces of plastic. <laughs> like a cannon. Well, it is, yeah, and you have to lean on it because. <laughs> do a pull up on it yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah it, it has to be hot otherwise it's going to congeal on the inside right so, that's i was just going to say how yeah. do you keep your well, your plunger hot ones. the ones you know people know what the hell we're doing is actually a, a hot plate with a, a five eighths inch hole in this metal thing on the hot plate and you just put your uh injector on there and it'll keeps it hot right and that, that that always keeps it warm that way I've, I've always wanted to get one but I, i'm pretty lazy so i got a propane torch i just wave the torch back and forth and let but it... we have we have heated everything why don't why don't you invent the heated nabulsi injector little battery yeah. pack on the side <laughs> yeah sell them for 600 bucks a pop and then you and got your little heat I, machine i often do is i just leave the injector right inside the hot pot with the plastic mm, yeah keep it warm yeah, it stays. You just have to make sure it doesn't start getting caught with the uh, agitator. Then it gets messy. Donnie, you had your hand up. Yeah, I just I'm gonna back us up for a second. Ba ba back uh, it up like Owen. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm circle. gonna back it up like Owen. Circle, circle back around. around. Yeah. <laughs> circle back around. Circle uh, back around. <laughs> circle back around. Yeah. Let me back you up. We a minute. talking a lot about the Ratzilla. 
I do not own any Ratzillas, so I'm just asking the basic consumer question here. Like, mm. Do you have multiple sizes of the Shadzilla? And what are those sizes? Or not Shadzilla, Ratzilla. And what are those sizes? Uh, we've got a uh, Ratzilla Junior, which is the smallest one. And I think with the tail stretched out, it's about 12 inches. The body's about probably, uh, probably four, four and a half inches. It's not, it's not huge. It's a good pike, early spring bait. And then the regular Radzilla. I'm not sure if that's what Owen has. I think. It, yeah. It I, like I think rig. this is the regular one. This is not, yeah. this is not the Magnum. I don't believe. So what do you figure that is? 18 inches stretched out? To, to yeah. It? Stretched out. It might, it might even, yeah, it's 18 to 20 inches, but the yeah. body itself is 10 inches. Yeah. And then it's a, it's a, it's a significant tail. So I'd say the body itself is 10 inches. And, and it's it it's weighted like a you know like it seems like a regular bulldog type of weight you know what i mean like it's it's a significant weighted you know head area yeah, that's the one i'll cast most of the time the magnum um and tear on the bod let me tell you <laughs> well when we were when we were in canada nick bought a magnum i forget Oh, I think he bought it like right after you were on the our first episode. He okay. bought a Magnum, and when we were on Nipissing, he was casting that thing, man. And I'm uh, like, you're just watching that thing in, and so I'm casting on the front on, on the bow of the boat, and he's next to me, and that bait is so big that out of my the corner of my eye, I, think I he's swear, getting follows. yes, I'm like that. He that is a, that is something following that bait there. Like that's a fish. That's not a bait. It's a you freaking see the tail fish. flicker. Like, yeah, and then I'm like, oh, that's just this. That's just a gigantic shadzilla. But to answer your question, Donnie, no, Mike doesn't make a trolling bait. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. well, let me. Keep, let me I keep nothing, nothing with a people, lip on them. I keep hearing about people catching baits trolling rubber. Yeah. You can catch definitely up. troll rubber. You say catching baits? Catching baits, trolling catching rubber? Muskies. Let's, let's, let's back that one up. Though. Sorry. No, Circle. No. Circle catching, on that Catching one. fish. <laughs> catching <laughs> fish. Out on Lake Ontario, we troll them. Out on Lake St. Clair, we troll them. The Shadzillas. But we troll them with a bladezilla uh, in front of them. So it's just a, a piece of wire. with. It's like makes it into a spinnerbait, essentially. Right. right. Yep. Let's and, let's do this. Let's do a little uh, show of hands. Who here caught a muskie on one of Mike's baits this year, casting it? Not I don't this have year. one, so it doesn't count. I did. I did. Oh wait. How do you not have it? one, Tom? Okay. I have like a hundred of them. Like you know, I, you always try to give me lures, and I feel bad taking them. Well, see, I traded Owen. Owen's always I, like, "Take yeah. this bait," and I'm like, "No." I traded Owen some baits to get some of the water wolf. I probably should have just ordered from Mike, but yeah. he had two of the colors I wanted, and I traded them. Well, this this goes back to why I have so many is because this goes back to before we had Mike on, before we had a podcast, shipping is a bitch. You know, yeah. when you buy something from Canada, you're better off buying a bunch of it rather than just buying, you know, oh, I'm, I'm not just going to buy two baits from Canada. You know, so I actually said to you guys, I was like, look, look, I'm going to order a bunch of baits from from Mike. You know, I, must have from, I didn't, I didn't know Mike. Oh yeah, I sent I, Nick actually picked out a couple. I said I'm going to buy a whole bunch of the bodies because I have a whole bunch of the rigs already. I think I bought 30 bait, maybe 25 or 30 baits, like, you know, of the unrigged bodies because I had 
a whole bunch of those you know the the internal rigs already went from when i thought i was gonna become the next water wolf lure next you know, water wolf mike because i cut i caught a 54 inch muskie on on a shadzilla so when i come back from canada i'm like all right that's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna build one of these baits just like this and it's gonna be you know and so my idea was oh let's just buy that internal harness and learn on that like let's figure out you know that gives you the the internal structure that i thought i i i needed at, at that time Owen. and i just never the dunning kruger semen oh yeah at 100 and so i i have all this stuff and i'm trying to build a mold and i'm like yeah, yeah i'm just and not good Tom at this got all the plastic oh and said fuck it take it. it well no then i i really i found a lot of joy in the bucktail you know mm -hmm. i was also building bucktails at the time and and i was like you know i'm really enjoying this and i wasn't finding you know the i don't know i wasn't very good at the the whole well, you building didn't, a rubber you didn't mold. make it far though like you, oh, didn't, didn't, you don't you didn't make well, it far enough to know if you were good or not like, well okay and that's where i didn't start the way that you did i yeah. should have started i should have started the way that you did which was very small Bass incremental like or... i'm gonna learn how this stuff works mm. where i i didn't know any of that i just thought i was gonna like build you know just create a shadzilla you know like and i'm you know first time out of the sounds. mold crack yeah. it open wow yeah no you know where this like where the, no. the owens progression is heading here he he uh, right out of the box is knocking out the sweatshirt designs maybe maybe you should focus a little more time on the sweatshirt design to start a streetwear company model mm. uh, i like the design on that the three colors yeah no, it's seven. Ah, it's a seven, seven He's color. He's a high roller, Mike. Seven, seven color. color. <laughs> yeah. That's an expensive one to scre uh, screen print. No, uh, no kidding. Been, I realized that. Ramen. I found that out real fast. <laughs> yeah. The whole family's been eating ramen all February because Owen wanted the seven color screen print hoodies <laughs> for musky backs this year. With the sleeve print, too. As if the seven color chest print wasn't okay, enough. Okay, so wait, let's like, get a sleeve print. It took Owen like four hours to cook dinner tonight. What type of ramen were you making it? Oh, man. <laughs> tonight was tonight was, was chicken parmesan. I, I, I enjoyed cooking tonight. I called him. I called him before this. And he was like, dude, I could hear like pots and pans. And I could hear like sizzling going. And he's like, dude, I'm making dinner. I'm I was like, literally oh. frying the chicken cutlets for chicken Parmesan at that time. I'm like, man, I got like 8 million things going on. I thought you were with Don Sr. at the Pimey Grill. Pimey. Well, speaking of food and Don soft plastics. Sr.'s in Vegas. I'll be right back. Ooh. Speaking of food and soft plastics, we'll tie that one together. Uh, earlier, Mike, I sent over a video. So me, his daughter, JJ, and me, we kind of have this cinnamon toast crunch thing going on. Like, she'll surprise me with, like, cinnamon toast crunch pancakes, and I'll get her, like, cinnamon toast crunch rice crispy treats, and it goes back and forth. So yes. for Musky Max, I made her cinnamon toast crunch trout worms. I use cinnamon. Oh, I'm not going to tell her. I'm not going to tell her that because yeah. she I colored. Uh... Oh, yeah? But I colored the baits with cinnamon and like bronze colorant and like some copper flake and white flake for sugar. And they, they smell like cinnamon and they look like cinnamon toast crunch. Nice. So is, is that the <laughs> is that like the uh, disaster whistle that's going off? Yeah. Did you hear that? I, yeah. Sorry about that. They, that's my meth lab must have set the fire alarm off again. Mm. Did, 
So have you ever played around with any weird shit like that, Mike? Because I'm seeing these videos, people color and stuff with like paprika and Kool-Aid. And did you ever? Yeah, we tried, I've tried a number of things. You just have to make sure that it's not water-based and yeah. safe, right? But uh, scents, we used to do it well in the bass line. We used to do all kinds of scents. And, you know, it's, it's I mean, there, there is some degree of truth to the scent market. But, I agree. You know, I think certain kind of, of fish. Yeah, yeah, it must be not that important, but you know, they they do smell stuff like you watch guys that fishing with suckers and dead sardines and shit like that, right? Or you know, something along those lines. Maybe like tears, like musky fishermen, because they seem to like thrive when we're sad and bummed yeah. out. So maybe yeah. like mix in some salty tears. Salty tears. So what yeah. you're telling me is the Potsky fire gel is relevant. <laughs> oh, that's not gold for trout. I think. I mean, man, trout's one of those fish that I think scent does matter. Where it's yes. not like Mike said, musky. It's like I don't know if scent's catching on in musky anytime soon. But yeah, who knows? Like, we tried like if only I could in. get on their pro staff. <laughs> it all starts with a teeper. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, salt. Um, I was just looking. Sometimes you get some leftover stuff, and I got like coffee scent. Um, I remember the coffee tubes were all the rage, like maybe yeah, ten years yeah. ago. And you smell it, and it's like it smells like a vanilla cappuccino, right? It's like mm-hmm. coffee. it's got like that maple scent in it. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh yeah, I caught ten fish on this, and they wouldn't touch the other tube. It's like, oh god, okay. Yeah. I, Mike did a great job there while Tokyo Drift was going off down there. In, in yeah, Hawk man, that's like the end of the, it's the apocalypse over here. I'm sorry. There's sirens, cars. Nah. So rough neighborhood? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> trying to get out of here. Trying to make some soft plastics and get on up out of the slums, Mike. Uh, on the other side of the coin, they're keeping you... They are. They're keep man, dude. Uh, I told Owen like this has been getting like all the shit going on these past few months. Like it's getting me through. Like I love it. And I was telling we, we mentioned Gene earlier. Mean Gene at the Lore Swap. I was telling him it's kind of like like I'm watching these videos on YouTube and TV and stuff. It's like baking shows for women, but it's kind of like baking for men. You know. I'm like, I'm like watching these. They're like, okay, we're going to bake this to 300 degrees. Now you're going to add a tablespoon of glitter. Now don't overcook it or it's going to burn, you know? So you got to watch this very closely. And I feel like Randy, if you ever watch South Park, where he gets like addicted to the cooking channel. It's like, that's like me watching soft plastic videos now, like the creme fraiche. You can learn so much. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's so fun. It's like, and honestly, like Kayla, my girlfriend, like she likes fishing, but she's not a fishing nut like me, but she likes the soft plastics because it's, it's fun. It's, I think there's a certain element of creativity there too. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. you know, people that, that really enjoy that stuff, like that's a really, that's kind of a good avenue and an outlet for you. Something yeah. you guys can do together, Tomboy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And Mike, that's you were good. saying your wife kind of helps out a little, right? Oh, all the time. Yeah. She does all the rigging. No, okay. Yeah, you should see her with split ring tools. Guys are like, "What?" (laughs) That's awesome. You can put a split ring on a hook faster than her. Now, was it always that way? Like from the get go, was she was she there for the beginning? Or yeah, yeah, Yeah. Yeah, we started it together, and uh, yeah, she does like all the packaging, all the shipping, all the rigging, all the accounting. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how she puts up with me sometimes, but. 
Yeah. Well, I told them she bought me my first five-gallon bucket, actually, of plastic. That's how, like, gung-ho she was on it. It's fun. It's, if yeah. you're a creative type person, you know, and on top of it, like, yourself, Tom, and Owen, you make a lure, you catch fish on it, there's some personal satisfaction. Mm-hmm. It kind of takes me back. I told them, like, when I first started fishing, like, I would tie, like, a woolly bugger or, like, the shitty, some shitty little fly and catch, like, a bluego on it. And it was like, oh, my God, this is awesome. Like, it's just a bluego and it's just a stupid little ball of feathers. But there's, like, that satisfaction, that primal, like, instinct. Like, I did it. Like, caught a Tom, fish on Tom, have you caught a trout on your trout worms yet? Uh, well, funny story about that one. Today, we were going to... We had, I had a pack of trout worms in my pocket, a big smile on my face, march into the lake, and I walked up to a sign that said it was closed for till opening day. So, wah, wah, wah. Is this one of our two hot honey holes? Indian Lake. Oh, what? Yeah, I forgot. I, I knew that, that they closed it for opening day, but I forgot that it crept up this quick on me. We, we, we hop out of the car, and I'm telling her she's with me. I'm like, wow, we got any spot we want today. We're going to get one. We're going to get the first fish on the plastics today. And I'm running up to the lake like a little kid, just a big old picket sign right in the ground. When did they do that? That started a couple years ago when people were killing off. The, like, they opened the preseason for trout, and then all the yahoos go with their power bait and kill half the fish before opening day. And then the opening day, people complain that all their trout are dead, and now they're closing the places till opening day. And because I fished there preseason before the season. You used to. Up. Used to be able to. Oh, all right. Not no mo, the good old days, Ryan Reed. There's a couple places you're allowed to still, but they start shutting them down. That's good. That means I'm going to focus on muskies where yeah. I should be. You can. Should have been out there with Donnie today. Grinding. Yeah, you should have. If if one of you idiots would have come out with me, I probably would have caught that fish. I needed somebody to net it. It was a flathead. Don't lie to yourself. It wasn't a freaking flathead. <laughs> It's a big old shovel. It's a big old drum. Big old drum with your sucker in its mouth. I would have been there with the butterfly net. So you needed. Where you're fishing musky, Donnie, is is it like a a pre pre spawn season that they open up, or is it open all? Yeah, I mean we're open all all year here in PA. Yeah, but uh, we're definitely still pre spawn right now. But uh, it's just kind of starting to seem to be heating up across the state here there's a lot of fish caught today on social media that's it could be a weird spring too had, uh, because we get that hot rush and then it's well we have cool. had barely any winter down here i don't mike i don't know what your winter's been like up there in ontario but it's like yeah it, it's, it's been so mild yeah it snow comes and goes now where it used to stay you know I mean, it was what 14 so i don't know what that is in it's 14 Celsius. Let you guys figure it out. That's high. It was above zero. And, you know, we had a couple of days where it hit 10. And then next week it's going to be below zero, right? So, but it's not going down far. So I think we're going to have an early spring for sure. You know, so. Now, the waters near you, do they freeze completely? Yep. And are they frozen now? Uh, some are north of us, yeah. Because we've, I mean, we don't, we don't have much ice anywhere here. Mm. Well, it's kind of nice if you can get your boat in the water earlier, even if you're like fishing panfish or whatever. So I really happy fishing. Well, getting the boat's another issue. I got my boat stored with a woman, very the coolest woman ever, Bethany. She kept my boat all winter in her garage, but shout out Bethany. Shout out Bethany. Hunks approved. Hunks first. But uh, 
she got like really sick the other day and now she's in the hospital so oh get well soon bethany thoughts thoughts are with you bethany yeah. My I, goodness, texted her, I texted her i'm like hey i'm all peppy hey bethany time to get the boat out and get the trolling motor on she's like going to the hospital i'm like oh Okay, never mind. Sorry. Oh, so, oh, so Tom, Better. so you still got to That's right. You still got to get the, your trolling motor installed. Yep. You don't want to. You don't. You don't trust me to do it, huh? Yeah, we'll see about that. So maybe Mark Mark King wants to do it. I was going to leave it. In yeah, Mark I would trust Mark King. That would. That's for sure. Yeah, Home trust Mark King. Home comes with a waiver. Here, son. Get it back from home. It's on back. Whole document for you to sign about how he's not liable. <laughs> <laughs> well you gotta get you gotta get that thing installed before uh the the third weekend in april oh easy peasy i think really I'm, at rich oh, yeah. at uh richland marine i think there, they're is doing anything it. is anything easy peasy at listen richland marine? i think maybe they changed her ways i emailed them the other day she fired right back give us yeah. a call we'll book it up <laughs> Like, maybe that's because I went and took back eight thousand dollars from them, like yeah. when when they wouldn't respond to my to my calls and emails. That'll change an attitude. They must be busy. <laughs> they weren't busy at all. Like, yeah, like I walk in and I walk in to get my money back, and like everyone's like standing around doing nothing. I'm like, you couldn't tell me what was happening with my boat in these four months now that since I gave you a deposit for a rush. A rush pontoon boat, you know, and then, uh, then I, I take, I literally take my deposit back from them and they act like I'm never going to find a boat. And I, Tom, how long did it take me to find another pontoon yeah, boat? Yeah, like that week, like the same Three week, days. I think. Yeah. I mean, that, that place, that place just like gave me such a, and, oh, and in the other place, you know what they required in my deposit? $500, <laughs> where Richland Marine required 8000 Oh. Yes, eight thousand hmm. so, dollars as a deposit, mm, mm, and I couldn't get an and I couldn't get an answer from them on like where when I was going to get a boat. That I I had no I had no delivery information, nothing. Hmm. I could get not get any answers, and so you know I have no problem flaming that place, man. I, <laughs> and I told them I was like, I want my money back now. I was like, I I gave you full deposit. I was like, I want it back right now. I'm buying another boat. I don't care what I have to do. And to their, you know, they they did. They wrote me a check for, for the amount back. But man, that pissed me off, man, big time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would. Is it is it Ryan that's doing the boat project? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. Right. Ryan just bought a just bought a boat uh, just late this fall, and he's been doing all kinds of work to it. He just got the trolling motor added on. Got this Helix Ten, mm-hmm. his Helix Ten put on. He freed yeah. his wench. His wench, yeah. His wench. Was, this went on for like a day. Mike Ryan said that he was freeing his wench. Which, if anybody doesn't, he didn't know, know where wench, to place his wench. He said, he, "I got to free my wench today." And if anybody <laughs> doesn't know, his a wench is a medieval prostitute. So me being a smart no a wench. Ass, technically, I would say a wench is maybe a medieval servant, a yeah. female servant. Yeah, but, if you Google it, it says prostitute. <laughs> but but so right long story short ryan said i'm freeing my wench and so i kind of messed with them for a few hours i was like oh where are you gonna put your wench now and then i'm like well ryan when you when you free your wench you probably want to be toward the back side of the cage in case your wench gets like angry when you let her out because you know so this went on for probably a couple hours till ryan finally realized that he was freeing his winch and not his wench 
So, so we hope that Ryan's wench is what doing well. No doubt. And we're looking forward to being on Ryan's boat now. That, uh-huh. Now that it's going to be up and running here soon. Yeah, yeah it's the electronics. Like I was looking at all the stuff that he put on his boat, and it's like, yeah, I I feel the pain. So I'm changing up all my electronics this year, and it was like ten grand. I could. Just, oh. Yeah. Um, so I got two Helix twelves. And Ooh, holy cow! Yeah, I. My buddy said once you get a twelve inch graph. Um, there's no going back because I've had tens for I've got like hummingbird legacy units so the the eight eight uh, nine and the nine nine eight I think I can't remember the ones the side imaging right side imaging is fantastic but then mm-hmm. I also bought one of those mega three fifty transducer cool yeah and I just uh, I'm going to depend on that improving my tournament standings <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that was part of the reasoning for buying it. But no, I, I just needed to get the grass, but they're so expensive. Mm-hmm. But like I say, you only live once and, you know, you got to spend some of it once in a while. Yeah, you just got to sell some more tubes. Yeah, that's why I like the merry go I'll just make some more baits. And yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. I saw a video on the other day pop up on Instagram. It was like what it feels like asking the wife to buy new fishing equipment. And it was like the Shark Tank theme song and like a fisherman walking into the room with his rod. Like, I'm here to ask for five grand for new electronics. Like, oh, wait, no, 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 wait. Nate Bud sent me a text the other day. I don't know if he sent anyone, anyone else this. I guess his his wife got a speeding ticket and he he like negotiated with her that... <laughs> If, if if he paid her speeding ticket fine, like out of their joint account, that he could buy X amount of uh, X amount of lures at, at Musky Max in exchange for it. Hopefully, a <laughs> sorry good to play made right out there. One. Well played. Good negotiations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Send her back down the road where the speed trap is. Need more lures. <laughs> <laughs> So those Helix 12s, you got you bought two of those, man. Yeah, yeah. And where will you mount those? I'm almost 60. My eyesight sucks. <laughs> <laughs> now, where will you mount those, Mike? Like, do you have a plan for? I think they're going to go where the other ones are already. Yeah. Like, I have like a 10-inch up front and a 10-inch up the Okay. Right? At, the ba- at the console? Yeah. And I'm hoping they fit. Like, I've got RAM mounts, but the, the swing arm style RAM mounts. Those things are bulletproof and, and they're fairly, you know, cheap to buy. I think 50, 60 bucks. I think that's what Ryan got, right? Ryan, didn't you get those? Yeah. And I, I needed to because of the way my console is, it's not real deep at all. And like, even with that single swing arm, like it's super tight. Like I was trying to, uh, I got it all wired in the other day. You know how they have like the brackets with the helix that you run the actual cables into like the uh, quick attach. Yep. Well, it's like really hard just to plug that thing in with the way the windshield, the console windshield is. So I kind of had to move it around to get it plugged in. So I'll have to deal with that. But if I went any bigger, like if I would have went to a 12, like, I don't know that it would have fit. Like I think 10 is pushing it on that console, unless I would have got the double swing arm. And I think like that double swing arm would have allowed it to like push further to the side of the console windshield. So yeah, I don't know, man, those swing arms are clutch when you need it like that. And I think like, I mean, I could kind of picture just from what I've been working with, like two twelve side by side on those, and I, I don't know, man. I think that'll work out well for you. 
Is, is that what yeah. you have? This the single, the single swing arm. Yeah, the single swing arm. But I, I've got it on. I'm, I've got a Ranger uh, six nineteen, and the, uh, the side of the boat that attaches to the console is like ninety degrees down. So instead of some of the swing arms, like I have up front that has the base that just screws down to the deck. That's on the side, so it screws into the side of the boat. Mm. Yeah. yeah the- that would have been sweet. Like I, I don't have any type of like area that that's flat like that to, or else I would have probably mounted it on the side. Yeah, I thought about mounting it on the, yeah, like the opposite side of the console, like the driver's side. Like I'm on, I have my unit on the right side of it. If I would have moved it to the left and side mounted it, it would have probably been okay there too. But then I was like, I was worried about people walking up and down because my boat's not real wide. So, you know, like I just didn't want people to like. Bang into it. It. Yeah, like bang into it as you're walking up front and stuff like that. Like I'm probably gonna That's fall. I'm gonna right. fall. Old, like, old wobbles, McGee's gonna fall into it the first. Yeah, day like dead there. center and just like rip it right off the console and <laughs> be laying in a pile of cracked helix. Yeah, uh, they're expensive. I've been following your your uh, exploits on Facebook. It looks really good. You're doing a good job on your boat. Man, I appreciate that. That means a lot. It's it's definitely being pieced together right now. But that's the beauty of a first boat. And it will dude. be. It'll I keep mean, going. It, mm-hmm. That's the beauty of a first boat. You're gonna there's gonna be things that no matter what you do, you're still gonna hate. Like it, because it's your first boat, it's not gonna be perfect. But you gotta like learn it and you're fi- I love that you're doing it yourself and you're figuring out, okay, here's how I put it here. And you know, next time or if, if you need to make the changes, you can make the changes now instead of having to take it to richland marine and have some <laughs> some old woman bernice you know, yeah bernice. bernice well i mean Give look but seriously scowl I'm, at you i'm i'm four or five years into mine now and every year i still want to change shit like it never ends like you think it's yeah. this first winter having your boat wait till next winter when you see all the shit that you want to change from this winter that's yeah. it, it never ends yeah it just i i get that for sure and there's going to be things that i want to do but I mean, for the most part, the way it's set up right now, like it's set up to troll, and that's what I it plan ain't on changing. Doing. That's what Ooh. I plan on doing. I'm he put the he, he unbolted the stock seats and put a lazy boy in behind the driver's wheel. Mm. Yeah, the little feet kick out and it massages yeah. and vibrates yeah. and everything. I just he, put I Joel, need... he bought Joel's fishing chair. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, I need Joel's fishing chair. I I want to get the boat grill. I want to get the popcorn maker. <laughs> I'm going to get a mini fridge to attach in right into the side of the console. I'm never going to leave that seat. In all seriousness, <laughs> you could get one of those little like six can mini fridges from Gabe's that run off like a, like a cigarette lighter. You could have a mini fridge in your trolling boat. Or you could just use a cooler. Yeah, but a yeah. mini fridge is way more trolling. It's more like just open the door and grab a cooler. No troller wants to put ice in their cooler. Come on, Owen. I want to use the live well for that. I'm gonna load True. that baby full of yeah. ice and drop all all my my drinks in there. Not white claws. Uh-huh. No El-chafas. white claws allowed. Some El Chavos. No El Chavos. Oh, I can't. I'm looking forward to some El Chavos during Musky Max. Just be ready as soon as uh, as soon as Tom walks on your boat for the first time. He's just gonna randomly shotgun a beer at seven in the, the morning break it in. for absolutely no reason. Just After... spray beer everywhere. After eating like the world's like worst burrito uh-huh. at like two thirty in the morning, yeah, uh-huh. I know it's coming. That's no why I let fish. them know I'm here. Yeah, no excitement, no nothing to like you know warrant a beer being shotgun. It just you gotta bring the good energy. Start spraying. 
<laughs> you got to bring the positive energy. You got to got to set the party off on the right note. You know, Mike, I got to find a picture for you just to show you the like the sheer like amount of cans that you would see like in standing on a trout stream with with Tom. You like, make it sound like I'm a dirt bag. Like I don't take them home with me. No, like, but I it's just, just leave them there. They, they pile up during the <laughs> course of a day, and it's just like you look, you turn around, and there's just like skein everywhere, and just like empty cans, fire <laughs> sauce them. bottles, and yeah, it's a yeah. real, it's a I real fun day. I remember the first time I went trout fishing when I lived up in Sault Ste. Marie <clears throat> with uh, with a couple guys that I'd met up there, and. We get out to the to the uh, to the stream and we're walking out. He goes, "Oh, I forgot something." He goes back and grabs a case of twenty four. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like halfway through the day, you're in waders and you gotta piss every friggin' hour. It's not good. That's why you need the waders with the holes in them, because then you just pee in the waders and they like empty themselves <laughs> out if you walk out. <laughs> no joke, we used to do that as kids. Like when we were little and eerie, if your waders started to leak, it was like good news because then you, you, know, you just pee. And then give it an hour and it's like gone, you know? The more I think about it, the more you're not allowed on my bed. <laughs> I don't pee in my bibs because it will come out the feet. <laughs> this is another, yeah. I don't know why this reminded me of this discussion, but I wanted to ask Mike, when you were little, did you ever like take a bite out of a rubber worm? Or was I the yeah, only one that did that? Yeah. yeah. Still, just to I taste it. I yeah. And I don't know why. It's just like it's like I gotta taste it. Just what? What, what? fish taste? Yeah, you never did that when you were little. No. Like a senko, grab a senko, and not not swallow it, but just like just like what do fish taste? You know, like it's the salt. No, yeah. I don't. I, I don't know. Why would you? do I that? never have. Mike's done it. I've done it when I was a little kid. I'd not like I said. I didn't chew it up and swallow it, but just like just one day, you're like I gotta take a bite out of it. Just how many of it. your trout worms have you eaten? I haven't bone. tasted. <laughs> I may, I may, I may taste the cinnamon ones that I made for JJ. Oh, but. Tom, Tom, you should get some gelatin and shoot some. And then Ooh, hello worms. Yeah, just freak guys out when you're eating them. There we go. Edible trout that. worms. That could be the next thing for the for the kids' corner at Muskie Max, maybe. I don't know. You have to yeah. run that one by Gene. I don't know if Gene's <laughs> going to be real happy about that. <laughs> they have to sign a waiver. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we gotta we gotta get some. Some water wolf lures at Muskie Max at some point. Somehow, you know, people would buy people would people would absolutely 100% because I can't tell you how many people have never had the opportunity to fish a Shadzilla. I mean, mm -hmm. in fact, the Baddock brothers out in uh, Indiana, I sent them a couple of Shadzillas because I have so many. I'm like, dude here try these and you know they love them but you know they don't they don't have access to them out there so that's just kind of a thought like you know, how how well, if we could go um and and make it work i would i would go to some like we're close to the border right so i would go to some of the shows um our country makes it very difficult to cross border sell uh, yeah I think we got into that on the first one a little, yeah, it's, how, it's how difficult. Very, it is very difficult. Like, you have to declare everything going in. Hmm. And anything that you take in cash, or, or I should say any income that you make over there, you have to declare when you come across the border. Like, as compared to people coming from the U.S., like, I know uh, uh, Mark comes over from uh, Red October Tubes, you know, and he'll be in, I think, I'm sure we'll see them at the Odyssey. 
And those guys can sell whatever they want and they don't have to be a player, I don't think, when they go back. Mm. That's why, you know, when you guys were, I can't remember who you were, uh, as an interviewee for one of the shows. Um, Canadian? He, no, no, it was, it was uh. a show. And um, he was saying that they don't get many Canadians coming down, Canadian builders. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. We were talking about the New York show, Baker and Gold. Yeah. Because the Buffalo, you know, the New York show is is literally. I don't know how far is that from Buffalo. It's not an hour from Buffalo, forty five minutes. So it's not far for for Canadian bait makers to to get across the border. That could be the huge reason. Yeah. I mean, that could be the biggest reason of it all, right there. It's the financial part, customs and everything, like. I'll give you another example. When we ship baits down to the States, um, you can order $800 US worth of anything online and have it shipped to the States and not pay customs or duty or taxes. Right? So um, from our end, if we want to buy something from the States, $200 is our max. And then we start paying taxes on whatever we purchased. I'm sorry, you cut out a little bit. How much was the max? Two hundred dollars. It used to be, I think, hundred or fifty. It was stupid. Like, and, and such bullshit. That's yeah. That's the problem with 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 our government up here is that they're trying to keep us in a bubble in the sense that they're trying. You know, it's like you hear about problems that uh, the U.S. is having, like with milk products in Canada, because they they like they shield the Canadian manufacturers. So that they're trying to build like an industry in Canada alone, but it, it, they're not making it a two-way street with the U.S. Right? And then the same for um, goods, you know, back and forth for Canadian manufacturers. Like we, we pay a lot of money to bring things in from the states. It, it, but in some cases, we have no choice, right? I mean, the um, you would think that uh, Canada would want to encourage Canadian manufacturers of whatever products to be able to sell whatever products they are. So, you know, you well, think- that's, the, that's the thing we can sell to the U S and, you know, the, I guess the, there's no onus on U S customers to have to pay taxes or duties on it because of your government saying, okay, guys, I think it was when, when Obama was in, actually, he was the one that, put that legislation through where any, any person in the U S can buy $800 worth of US, $800 US worth of Canadian product and not have to pay taxes or duties. Right. So that may change. I mean, you see what New York's doing. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're putting through in their legislation. I didn't see what, 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 I don't know. What do you mean? Well, I'll give you an example. When I, when I was, I go to the board times to pick stuff up. Uh, in Gananoque and I got a speeding ticket coming back through a 40 mile an hour zone I just wasn't paying it right so I said okay send me the send me the ticket and I'll look after it right and I started reading online and you can actually send a uh, I can't remember what it's called um, to the attorney general's office in New York to say uh, I don't want to pay this amount, right? So it was like 200 US or something I had to pay. I can't remember what it was. And they said, if you send in this note saying, um, I can't afford it, I can't remember. There's a certain term for the paperwork that you send into them, right? But regardless, they the legislation just changed not too long ago where you're not allowed to contest the speeding ticket anymore. You, you, you have to pay it right away. 
I guess we're down is losing a lot of money to figure out ways to capture it back, right? New York's, yeah, New York's good for that, too. They're a little bit more strict up there for a lot of different things. Yeah. So I ended up paying, like, I think it was 75 bucks U.S. for the speeding ticket. Which was, yeah. I was a little, happy. little slap so on the wrist. Yeah, and no demerit points because <laughs> that's, that's even more important because even if you get a speeding ticket in the U.S., they send that information back into Canada and points off your Oh, really? So there's like an interjurisdictional compact between Canada and, and traffic yeah. for traffic offenses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. which one That's he ends is the lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that there's definitely that between the states. Like you can't you can't have a suspended license in Pennsylvania and say, oh, I'm going to run across the border in Ohio. I'm a Maryland and, driver now. And, and take the driver's <laughs> test and get a driver's license. Like there's an interstate compact act that they like they know that guys like there's computers involved in this stuff. Uh, but I yeah, you could just rip your license plate off and then be good. Yeah, you didn't hear that from your lawyer. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Maybe he did because I'm pretty sure he, he works with uh, Shender Steinle and Steinberg. And Owen the needs twins. one. Everyone has one. Owen doesn't have one. We got the twins. Mike could even be in it. <laughs> Mike can be the speeder. Mike can be the the, the Canadian speeder stuck in the yeah. states where he gets We're speeding. So, like, so let's try to let's try to circle back here to to a little musky fishing. Let's circle around back to a little musky fishing I wanna, because I wanted to ask. I I have some painting questions for Mike. Sure. I don't know if we want to go, like, or if we're ready to move on to actual, you know, bait making questions, or we'll go <laughs> back. Yeah. I wanted to talk about your freaking commercial that we're going to film at Musky Max. <laughs> what was that, Mike? <laughs> I said it might be more interesting to people listening. If we go <laughs> yeah, I entertaining, but I don't know about everybody else. Well, I okay. So I I struggle with painting. It's just not something that I'm like naturally inclined to, and. That's on a fairly, it's on a hard surface, you know, where, you know, I don't, I don't like, I don't know. I just, it's just not something I enjoy. I can't imagine that trying to put scaling and colors onto a constantly moving rubber surface is easy. It takes a bit of practice. Yeah. Um, I do. I follow, I follow this European, uh, bait maker who i've sent to tom a bunch of uh, ulm yeah ulm, ULM. Yeah. and i'm always shocked at how simple his scaling is he like literally just puts down a metal grate over his rubber baits and holds the metal grate down and you know does like silver scaling over top of it I'm so, there trying to like pin everything, like you know, get like details down. Like you know, I'm in, I'm I'm convinced that if I don't have everything sealed perfectly, it's gonna look like shit. And then there's someone just like whoop, 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 you know, just doing it like that fast. I'm like, how the hell does that happen? <laughs> I mean, how detailed is your is your scale? Like, how hard is it for you to scale a, a ratzilla? You get better at it, and basically, I'm doing it the same way he is. Right, the bait goes down on its side, and I've got a frame. But I don't use metal; I use like a, a polyester mesh. Okay. In fact, I I got like I don't know 
20 yards of it from China. Is I just saw it on Alibaba, and it's uh, the material that they put out of your suitcase that, stre that stretches out that you can put, you know, dirty socks in or whatever, shoes on the side of your suitcase, right? So it's mesh. And so I've staple gunned that onto a frame, and basically I just push down, and I have some plastic blocks underneath, like say the fins, right, to keep that tight against the mesh. Okay. If you want mesh to look like a, a I'm sorry, if you want the scaling to look nice and crisp, you have, to have mesh contact on the bay. Once you lift it, that's where you can get like that ghosting look to it. And uh, you won't get a nice clean edge on your scales. And that's exactly where I look at a bait like the Ratzilla that has like the little paddle tail, you know, dorsal fin and your bait is scaled on the paddle tail dorsal fin. So I'm like, does he freaking, you know, wrap that with. No, that just goes on its side, but I got a piece of hard plastic underneath the, the paddle, right. To keep it upright and in, in the same uh, level as the body so so yeah it's just, but, and then there's cheats as well like if you look at anybody's baits for the most part especially soft plastics the top isn't scaled most of the time if there's a like an appendage like a tail or something at the top you can't scale the whole thing completely right right so you'll, you'll run like a black line down the top in the middle you know and that'll kind of blend both sides of the scale. Well, the, then how do you do the top of the Ratzillas? You know, because it's a it's a rounded head, you know, in, right. in back. So you just push the scale really close. Like, if you look, I'm not sure on that one. You've got a scale on that one. Um, yeah, the, the, one I, the one I was holding up, it's got a scale. Hold on. When I first started doing it, I wasn't actually painting like a line down the top, but that one's yeah scaled all the way across. Yeah, so if, if you're lucky enough, you can get it to overlap perfectly. But that's from that's been painted on both sides. Okay, because I mean it it looks like a very good seam seam yeah. there, and yeah. you know just from painting blades, I know it's not easy to get that stuff to no, no, no. sit you perfectly and stay perfect. Especially once you spray it once, then you start moving, and if it starts to you know wiggle a little bit, that yeah. when that paint's not set yet, it starts to smear. So yeah. I'm looking at, at this bait, and for our listeners again, please go on the website and check this stuff out. The the Ratzilla is what I'm holding up here, but um, it, it I just always wonder how how you did that. The nice thing about the paint for soft plastic is it sets up quicker than. Um, paints like acrylics that you would use for a hard bait. So once I spraying one side, um, especially with pearls in, in a clear base, they set up really fast. Lift straight See? up, right? Um, you won't get any of the uh, pulling of the paint across. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, so that, was, like, that was before two beers, so that was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say it's it's perfect. I mean, it's awesome. So it's just uh, it's, uh, it's okay. So I'm how did I'm the painting again? How did the painting thing happen, Mike? Like when you started, did you know right out of the gate, like I gotta paint these things, or did that? Did you go down that rabbit hole later on, where you like now uh, I need paint? I think you know before we started making the hand dipped shedzillas, I yeah. made dip bass bass swim baits. Okay. 
company called Bastrix out of California. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that, that, that was, it became the, the rage, right? Somebody caught, you know, a tournament winning bag on this particular bait. And everybody was trying to get their hands on them. They're very hard to get because they're hand dipped, just like Shad Silla's are. And so we started making those for bass. And I, I'm trying to remember, it was around that time that I started painting. And it was very basic, like a, you know, a pearl black for the, the back. There's no scaling, you know. Mm -hmm. um, the odd shad dot that I put on. Yeah, the, black dot. Yeah. You know, but it was it was pretty basic. Yeah, because that's like, that's another intimidating, we talked about like intimidating beginner things, like modifying a mold for harness is one, and then painting is like a whole nother thing, because like you've got it, like where I'm at now, I'm like, okay, I figured out plastic, I figured out, like not figured out, but I'm comfortable with plastic, I'm comfortable with colors, like I'm comfortable with all this shit, and then it's like, oh wait, painting. Like at the very end, it's like, oh, there's another rabbit hole I have to go down yet. So I think that's intimidating for beginners too. And the VPI paint is very expensive. Have you started to, did you get yours from Spike It? I, I have the gun, but I haven't started anything yet. Okay. So um, it's called, the, the product is called VPI paint. And it's a, it's a, a paint that's meant for vinyl. Mm -hmm. You can't use like an acrylic or something that it won't stay on, mm -hmm. right? And um, it's got a, a very toxic solvent in it. So yeah, Oh, good. So the, the mask that you got is good for organics. Okay. First, so that's very important to wear. That that stuff is probably the most uh, caustic thing you're going to deal with when it comes to plastics. Uh, and it, it's shipped as hazmat. So it, oh, good. Yeah. Good. So it'll, it'll come ground UPS when you get it. They won't ship it any other way. I think that's all my plastic came to, actually. Yeah. 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 From a company called Spike It. Yeah. Or, They're like through Loreworks, right? Yeah, Nerdworks is their brand, and then the larger uh, affiliate, I think, is called Colortech, and they do, like, the stuff for John Body, right? The, yeah. the companies buy from them, and they'll buy, like, five-gallon pails of coloring and stuff. Like that. Oh, wow. Yeah, I sent, Mike sent me a picture of his color library, and then I fired him back a picture of my little pathetic three bottles of dye on, like, a seven-inch Walmart shelf. He's, he's working with uh, some real volume over there when it comes to dye. Yeah, there's there's a lot of colors, that's for sure, that you can pick from. Yeah. Well, one day, one day I hope to have the assortment that Mike has. Baby steps. Baby steps, exactly. Yeah. Eight, eight ounce bottles for now. And that's still a lot. Yeah, that goes a long way. I'm learning that's that for sure. Yeah, yeah. Eight ounces will go a long way. Especially yeah. With, with colors like the, the cin did you actually have the cinnamon color? Well, I use bronze alumidust powder and then cinnamon. Yeah. yeah. Mica's go a long way too. Yeah. It's pretty neat. Yeah. The mica I, I like the mica, but it's I feel like it's harder to be precise with than it is liquid colorants and like pastes and stuff. And yeah. You seen how guys uh in the videos where they're making uh, bass baits like swim baits and they'll get uh, mica and put it in some sort of a solution and they'll brush it onto the inside of the aluminum mold. I've been doing that. So like I do like a clear skin pour and then like the molds are machined so sharp that you see these videos, guys, you can like pinch the skin out of the mold, like around the edges. And then you go back in with your powder, brush your powder, close your mold, yeah. shoot a color in and it, it stays on the skin. It's, it's pretty cool. It's fun. That, that, that opened yeah, yeah. another door. 
I sent them. I started doing some like perch and crappy, like with like that Aluma dust and like. Well, Larry Dahlberg used to, he used to put that on after. Yeah, like paint it on the, the bait pool. after. Like paint it, it on, <laughs> and then and but then use a heat gun to heat it up, and that's what you know seals it, and then you dip it in clear to then put a clear coat over top of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Larry, Larry is like the grandfather of Aluma dust. <laughs> That guy, well, the TV show he has is fantastic. Right? Oh, I oh, I, I could that. go on and on. I yeah. could go on and on about him and Aluma Dust and all, all yeah. you know, just everything about Alumasol, everything he's done, man. I love did, it. Did you see the video where uh, they're down oh, in Central America somewhere and fishing they, the Wigglies? Eh? Was he fishing the oh, Wiggly? No. Oh, no. no, no, they weren't fishing actually, but um. They had, a, they had set up uh, a small business for a bunch of women and they were making these. He showed them how to make fishing lures and they started their own business. Huh. Yeah, no, I didn't see that. That's, that's pretty cool. cool. It is like that. And then like they sent him videos of, of, you know, one one lady was filling up a mold with hot plastic and stuff like that. It's it pretty cool. Well, I didn't, I just saw recently. I don't know, it's Facebook or something where I follow Larry Dahlberg and Caesar, the guy that he used to um, fish in Suriname with. I guess he died seven years ago in a plane crash. Oh, yeah. So it's the guy from Suriname, Caesar, Caesar. And, uh, And he said it was like a, you know, you know, an RI, you know, not an RIP, but you know, just like a remembrance post about him. And it, he died in a plane crash in the South American jungle someplace. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I remember as clear as day watching all those shows with my son on my when he was an infant, he's 13 now, when he was a baby, watching Larry Dahlberg and, and all those shows of him. Fishing for peacock bass down in yeah. in Amazon and oh man, that, that man did it before anybody else. Uh-huh. Say, you know, and and correct, been, correct me if I'm wrong day. here. <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, Mike. And like, not to knock Larry Dahlberg because he's like a genius, but like, I feel like things have come a long way since Larry was like making the videos on like the Illumid, like painting your Luma dust on a lure. Like, I feel like things yeah. have come come a yeah, long yeah, way yeah. since then. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, that's why I say, you know, he was there in the golden age of yeah. when people were first starting to hand pour. Yeah. Like when I, when I, when I first started hand pouring and we get, we ordered silicone molds from uh, certain places, you know, we thought that was the greatest thing. Mm-hmm. And up your, your molds with a little bit of uh, oil and things like that, little tricks that you could do with yeah. silicone. I, I, he really, he, I see, like, going now that I'm doing my research, like, every night watching these videos, I can tell that Larry Dahlberg paved the way for, like, everything that I'm doing, like, in my bait lab. But, like I said, at the same time, I can see that in the last 10 years, the whole soft plastic thing, it's gotten more advanced and mm-hmm. a little, couple more tricks and better options. And, like, like, like I was talking to Owen, I was using the uh, Alumasol plastic, and I loved it. And then I used the jug and I emailed Alumasol. They're like, we don't sell that anymore. Here's a similar brand. So like they've since discontinued the plastic that Larry was using in these videos and stuff. Like, Yeah, the company doesn't seem to be as big as it once was. Yeah. yeah. Which sucks. That's a bummer. But I mean, things keep moving, you know? 
I've been on the uh, I've been on the hunt for the old Larry Dahlberg DVD sets. Mm-hmm. I was talk I was talking to Tanner Esker the other day because I I'd put Larry up on one of my social media stories. I was watching the other night. I was watching some of the YouTube stuff that's still out there, and I was like, man, I might be, have him someplace. Like Hunt for Big Fish has to be somewhere. Like it has. To okay, be so no, I don't have the Hunt for Big Fish like the the box set. I have like the lore making mm-hmm. DVDs, but yes. The hunt for big to have like all the years of hunt for big fish because remember you know Brad Hoppy mm. was on that years and years and years ago before you know this was right when like the cow the double cowgirl mm-hmm. infancy was becoming in its infancy and you know his his studies on the whopper plopper you know the sound you know doing studies on what sounds muskies react to and you know using his whopper plopper man that stuff i'd love to be able to go back and just watch that but yeah it's not publicly available no it's like i have lure designs i checked everywhere like tanner and i have been looking i found some of the dvds on ebay but they're just it's just nowhere to be found like a lot of that stuff on youtube isn't even you know, that's not even like a small percentage of what he did. So mm. it's hard mm. to find that. Speaking of that, though, there was a Larry Dahlberg video years ago about the Whopper Plopper and trolling a Whopper Plopper like right after Ice Out. He's probably trolling people with that one. And in that video, <laughs> he caught more than one muskie trolling a whopper plopper right after ice out in like minnesota it's so, always the dumb shit <laughs> i see a lot of blank stares right now and i'm thinking to myself uh, man well, i'm thinking like the musky season wouldn't even be open right after ice out in somewhere in he was he was somewhere it was like right right after ice out wherever he was he was trolling whopper ploppers and this was probably I can't even remember like how long ago it was, but he, yeah, it was like a thing, like early season tactic to troll that thing. You find, you always hear the stories hmm. and the one guy that's like, oh, trolling top water. It's a great idea. Like, but then you, for every like hundred people that are like, you're an idiot. You find the one guy that's like, man, I caught 15 trolling top waters. There's gotta be at least one listener that knows what, va- what you're episode gonna, I'm talking about there. Then there's going to be a listener that messages one of us that's like, oh, dude, trolling top waters, man. Like, there's the one guy, always. Well, how far off is it compared to short lying a, a bucktail? Yeah. Right? It, it's at the surface, but I mean, how far down is the bucktail, depending on how far you jam your rod down the water, right? It's uh, like that short line trolling you see around here in the spring where the swivel's cranked up into the freaking islet and you can see the bait yeah. next to the boat. Like, Yep, yep, exactly. Yeah. It's not that far fetched when you think about it. Mm-hmm. I have a whopper plopper. I may try. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try it here in about two weekends from now. We're going to see. You think you're getting funny looks now? Wait till you're out there driving around with your whopper ploppers five mile an hour behind the boat. Yeah, I probably won't do that, but we'll see. I can't get you guys to troll my spinner baits, but you guys are talking about trolling <laughs> whopper ploppers and, and rubber and shit. He's a man. We're enough pro st- your bro staff privileges are about to be is it <laughs> is it not enough i wore your hoodie for like 17 days in a row like i wore it every <laughs> single day i washed it one time <laughs> if that's not bro staff i don't know what is <laughs> it smells 
worse, uh, worse than a muskie right now. I'll tell you that. Well, boy, we saw Donnie had to bounce out to go tend to dad duties before. Yeah. He just kind of did the Irish goodbye on us. So what else do we want to cover here? I don't know. God, what, did you want to talk about anything specific, Mike? Or ask Owen. I was actually going to ask Owen something because I was listening to a podcast um, a couple of days ago. I think it was, it was the Ugly Pike podcast. And they had a guide on there, Josh. Swarovski. Yeah. Did yeah. you hear this new lure he's coming out with? No, I've, I haven't listened I to that yet. I saw it on Instagram, something about what, it. Uh, tell me about it. What uh, I've, I've, yeah. I heard him, I, I, I follow him on Instagram, but I just really haven't been particularly active. I've been building baits like crazy. So, yeah. so it's a bucktail and it's patented. Apparently, um, they, they went to great lengths because they know builders will copy, right? I mean, that's just. And it isn't just bait builders, it's like... Oh, everything, yeah. Everything, right? I mean, cars, clothing, whatever. It, it, it always happens, right? So anyways, they, they went to great lengths to make sure that, uh, I guess, the important parts of this bucktail cannot be copied. So they're patented already. And they have a website. It's Revolution Fishing or something. Yeah, it's like Revolution Fishing. And I went on the website and nothing was on there yet. So I haven't been back. Email for, you know, yeah. email for whatever, you know. So I'm interested to see this, but apparently it's a bucktail with a special clevis with interchange. You can interchange blades. Mm. So what that has to do with why apparently it caught so many fish because he's raving about this right yeah i've seen that people were making and, a big deal yeah and i've never like i don't follow him a lot but i don't think he's the type of guy to blow smoke up your ass no he seems like a 100 I, like i love he i've i've really enjoyed his prior podcast on ugly very, Pike. Very like he's just a very good guest not talking over anyone's head like just a very knowledgeable i've really enjoyed him yeah, on there. Yeah. So, you know, when they do come out with one, I'm gonna get one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when, when you. But so, so tell me. I mean, so I haven't listened it, to the podcast, and I, I, I haven't seen any pictures of it or anything. Like, yeah. so to get a patent, it has to be something that is, I don't know how to put it. Like, it's got to be something that is specific. It can't be. Simple. It's yes. It can't just be like. Oh, I built something in a slightly different way. It's got to be something that is identifiable that you can say this is a different design. And again, I'm not a patent lawyer, but you know, I know enough about it that you have I mean, you have to be pretty specific that you have something different to get a patent. Now, mm-hmm. with that said, if you look at how many patents there are, there are I mean, there are tons and tons and tons of people that have patents that mm-hmm. don't go anywhere. You know what I mean? Like just getting a patent doesn't mean that your product works. Oh, it just means that it's different. Yeah. It means that's protected. Yeah. Yeah. It, it means that it's different enough to protect it. That's, I think the patents are good for 10 years there. Yeah. I don't, I don't even want to yeah. say I'm not, I'm not even sure, but yeah. um so yeah, I'd be interested to know what the so maybe I should listen to the podcast first because I, yeah. I haven't listened to that one. Yeah, the ugly pike, and they did it in two parts um, with him. 
a very, very smart guy. Like I've listened to some of the stuff he's done and the, the guiding techniques and some of the stuff he talks about. He knows his shit. Well, he's the guy that talks about the pink moons. And then the pig days. <laughs> he charges extra for his clients on the pig days, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I've never heard of that before. And like it kind of makes sense. If you, you know, want to go on a high percentage day, those days book up at a higher price. Yeah. Absolutely. Sense. It's like <laughs> hotels and airlines and everyone does that. I mean, I, I fished with Todd Young a couple of years ago on what they considered a super moon. The super moon only comes around like once every 40 years. And we didn't catch crap. <laughs> we ain't catch <laughs> shit. <laughs> Yeah. Dano can attest to that. No, it was a, I think we ended up getting one, but the moon phases are funny. Like most most guys that have musky fish will understand that well, moon moon phase does mean something whether Trump's moon phase anytime. Mm-hmm. That's probably more of a, a factor to go by. Like we're going down to uh to Cornwall for a week this year to fish musky in uh, Lake St. Francis. <clears throat> Oh yeah, Lake Saint. That's yeah. the that's the basically the headwaters of the Saint Lawrence. Yeah, it's, it's like it's part of the Saint Lawrence. Yep, yep. It's where it, uh, I think it's called the Moses Dam um, is where uh, the the lake starts. But it's such a unique fishery. Like it, you've got almost like estuary in some areas, and the channels go through, and you'll like see cane and bulrushes on the shoreline. And what you suspect might be something that you could flip bass with with undercut, but the, the shoreline just goes straight down. You're being feet going out. <laughs> it's, it's just amazing. Like, and the muskie are hard as hell to catch there, but I've never caught a, a muskie that has fought more than the one out of the St. Lawrence there. Just there is a very memorable <laughs> fish in Canada episode. <laughs> yep. Of uh, which one is, is it Angelo or which one of them catches like a 55 inch muskie? Well, it, Pete Bowman's the, the one fella. And yeah, there's then, Angelo and there's Pete Bowman. Yeah, and so there used to be three of them, right? Now there's Angelo and I'm trying to think of his brother's name, the, the Violas. Um, yes. It was Angelo that was with him, yeah. <clears throat> and they got a 55 inch muskie in. I don't know. It's just like one of those Google fish in Canada. When I it's it's f f i f i s h apostrophe n Canada, mm, not fish yeah. in Canada. It's yeah. fish in Canada. Um, yeah. It is one hundred percent worth the watch. And they do a lot of the. They do a lot of Canadian. They have a couple of very memorable Canadian uh, musky episodes because they also did the episode on the French River with mm-hmm. Angelo's grandson when he fishes with um uh who's the guide up there on the french river that kind of went he's gone off the deep end and pat i think i know what you're talking about sajak no oh sea climb i know what you're talking about because he fished a lot of shadzillas yes and yeah. it, it, yes i can't Super remember nice he went off the, I don't know if you can call it going off the deep end, but he, uh, he got out of guiding because he just couldn't make a living doing it. He got married and it was like, I got to do something else other than guiding. I think that was pretty much what happened to him. I, 
man, he was on that Fish in Canada show, and he, and I, if I'm not mistaken, like he, sh- I think he shared the coordinates of like <laughs> they, do that. they do that, yeah, a major spot, and I'm talking like a major spot on Lake Nipissing, and this is you know again I don't know what what the story is, but man, Pat Tryon. Pat Tryon. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Pat Tryon. So, anyways, uh, you know, there's a couple of really good Fish in Canada episodes that I, I think our listeners would li- would like. Uh, that that Lake Saint Francis is one of their really cool episodes, and another one is the French River. That check them out. Yeah. So he he got Bill Bucknerd for sharing the the coordinates. Oh yes, like badly. To my knowledge, like to the point, you know, people were very, very, very unhappy. I mean, literally, it was the GPS coordinates of a trolling spot in the middle of Lake Nipissing. Oops. (laughs) That you would never find. You, You couldn't find that spot in a million years. A million years you couldn't find that spot. And there it is on Fish in Canada. GPS longitude and latitude. Yeah, I've never seen that one, so I can't comment on that. <laughs> so, I still, Pete and Angela are super nice guys. They've been in the fishing industry God, over 25 years, easy, you know, and that's all they do. So, yeah. it's very entertaining. Guys. Now they're not yeah. they're not like musky guys at all. Like they're yeah, everything they're, they're guys. Species, like species. Yeah. 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 So, Check it out. I may just do that tonight. I don't believe you. After, uh, yeah, after I watch two hours of uh, at home baking your trout worm videos, <laughs> the Home Cooking Network, or, or he keeps watching the, the the little video you sent him of your shop. Uh-huh. And he's like, he's oiling yeah. himself up. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm Taylor, freeze. leave me alone. <laughs> leave me alone for a couple of hours while I watch this video. Mike, just whatever you do, do not send your address to Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm begging you. Actually, no. I was I was gonna I was gonna suggest something a little bit different, and that was since I'm dragging Tom to Canada this year, I was gonna say let's. I said let's leave a day early and let's make a trip up and check out Mike's shop up. Uh, you know wherever. Where are you going? Well, we're going to be going to Lake Nipissing again. I go, okay, okay. I go every year, but you know, we go right through the Toronto, you know, the the Greater Toronto area. Sort, no, not really, yeah. but I mean, you know, that the QEW. So you, cross, you cross at Niagara, then, right? Yeah, yeah, at, at the yeah, Peace so, Bridge. So I'm three hours out of your way. Plus. Okay, <laughs> but it's worth. You know it. what? I, I, I'm You're more than welcome. I've done dumber stuff. Ryan Elizondo is flying across the country to come to Musky Max. I think we can drive three hours out of our way to see Water Wolf Mike. Yeah. He, he set the tone on that one, boy. <laughs> so what time of the year are you going there? September. We'll be going like the first nice. week in September. Nice. Yeah. Well, I may we'll never see. come home. <laughs> we shall see. That's what I'm saying, Mike. You might want to get that restraining order now. Yeah, you got right, right there for it. Talk to Owen after this podcast. Get it in place. All set up. Yeah. Just all you gotta do on your big glitter shelf, just push like Moses parting the Red Sea. Just push a couple bottles and bags aside, and I'll just sleep on the shelves. But I'll use like a big bag of glitter for a pillow. There's enough there. Yeah. 
You're gonna go home and you're gonna have glitter in places you don't want them. In. I, it's, I got glitter spreading. I got glitter spreading like COVID over here, Mike. It's I like taking like your kids to the beach. Uh, I, I got to take socks off at the end of the day. There's gold glitter like between my toes somehow. How like, did you just... get sand in there? Yeah, yeah. Kayla just has it all over at all times. Yeah, brushing glitter out of your hair. Just it's literally spreading like COVID over. She's in a, like a meeting at work and she just and looks down and there's the, glitter on her. The shoulder. thing with the glitter, the worst part is so it starts in the shop, right? You have a glitter catastrophe in the shop. It's contained to the shop, but then you touch the catastrophe and then it spreads to the house. So then you have a little glitter in the house. You touch that glitter, it spreads to your clothes. And next thing you know, like I said, it's like COVID. You got it in your car, you got it. So here's one for you. So, like when we're dipping baits, fill them out, of course, they're, they're dripping, right? And it's. Mm -hmm. Like a drip, it's just a, a constant stream going down this thing. And when I pull them out, I'm twisting and turning sometimes, and like I'll get like strings of this stuff, like silly string all over the place, right? And I'll go into the house and be all over my pants, and the cow will rub up, get you'll be like shaking, trying to get it. Out of it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not good playing with the boogers. That's yeah. <laughs> well, boys. We've uh we've eclipsed the two hour point. That's that's well behind us at this point. That was about seventeen minutes ago. Yeah. Now here's the big question: Do we tell Nick who the surprise guest was, or do we make him listen to find out who he missed? We'll see. We'll play that one by ear. We'll see how. Or you how guys could you guys could really mess with them. You all could act like really pissed off, like it was awkward, and like Nick skipped like a good one, like oh Tom really messed up, like. Eh. I've really enjoyed this episode, so I don't think that I don't need we don't need to embellish it too much, you know. Not embellishing, this has been a great one. Oh yeah, this has been a great special guest. I really I've, I've appreciated that, Mike. I feel like you earned yourself a uh, an honorary hunk status after this. Absolutely, you gotta send him. You gotta send him a hunk a hunk right. shirt. Let's the cross border garment trade. Let's go. There we go. Yeah, that's why I knew Mike go. was the perfect we'll surprise I'll guest. Trade, we'll trade hoodies. Right on. I knew he was the perfect one because I knew nobody could pissed up, be pissed off that Waterwolf Mike popped up. Like, no, we all gosh. love Waterwolf Mike. <laughs> and, and, and I just have to say this in front of all of you guys: Tom has the greatest calendar. <laughs> that, yeah, mm -hmm. you hear that, boys? I'm glad uh, he remembered that I, one. I should call it. I'm sorry, a scheduling calendar. Yep. It's a great stupid thing does not link with Zoom. If it doesn't link with Zoom, <laughs> it adds to so my mad. calendar. It's like, what is the point in this? Anyways, I'm not going to go down that. I'm not going to get put on that rabbit, like, rabbit hole. I, that's the only thing, buddy. I'll ever disagree with you on right there. This <laughs> calendar is not the so I, preferred. Well, musky scheduling app of the musky hunks podcast we're planning the surprise night out and i sent him the app and he fired right back wow tom i really like that app so i screenshotted it and clipped his name out and sent it right to them to rub it in all their faces i'm like look at this you assholes he liked the See? scheduling app it didn't go to my calendar so no uh, no i understand why <laughs> there was raffles for you right yeah <laughs> oh, he's, yep. he's he's getting you good tonight buddy <laughs> Oh, this has been fun, man. We got to get you down here to the states at some point, Mike. Well, I'll meet you somewhere. Absolutely. We'll, we'll we gotta we gotta make it happen. This has been a blast, man. Tom, thank you for for setting up our surprise Anytime. guest like this. Won't be the last. Next time it won't be a surprise. I'll tell you that Mike's coming. Good. Yeah. No, I'll always be listening. You guys do an awesome job with the podcast. I know. It's Thanks, Mike. 
it's it's you know a bit of work but with five guys most of the time or four is four sorry um to try and coordinate all that it's a lot of work mm-hmm. so it is it it's kind of like mike. going on a thanks yeah mike but it's kind of like going on a field trip with like elementary school kids like is everyone on the bus for tonight no we're missing ryan where's ryan oh shit we're gonna find ryan we left him at dairy queen yeah, we left ryan at there we left ryan at sheets <laughs> shit yeah well, I, thank uh, you that means a lot man <laughs> never worth it. That. <laughs> it is. there's actually just before i go there i was just uh plugging a uh a new podcast on instagram um it's called the uh, average ontario anglers so they okay heard the podcast they're on uh, spotify uh i think google's got them as well and, and apple so they just did their first one and it was more or less get to know us type of thing. So it's two guys that they're from Southern Ontario and they're, they're multi-species, but they're, they're really in the musky as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they have to say. They're podcasts in the shop. Cool. Yeah. Well, we'll have to check that out. You can't, yeah. you can't break up with us and leave us for a new, new, new podcast. <laughs> Whatever you do, whatever you do, Mike, just don't unfriend Tom on yeah. Instagram. And, and <laughs> let, we'll talk about a restraining order in private. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> Thanks again, Mike. I've really enjoyed this, man. This has been a blast. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, All right, Mike. boys. See you guys. Next time. All right. Yeah. Take care, guys. Mike. I had to shake him on my last case. Big O don't play.